Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, the baseball playoffs are underway. In the case of the Yankees, the uh, baseball playoffs are over. They are done. The Red Sox beat them 6-2 to two and send them home for the uh, for the offseason. And uh, we got the game in the National League tonight with the Dodgers playing the Cardinals. And um, Wainwright versus Scherzer. Those are two heavyweights tonight. Heavyweights tonight. And then somebody's going home, just like the Yankees and Red Sox. And it's hard to view any of these teams as the little guy, the Cinderella story. I mean, I know the Red Sox took down the Yankees, but and the Red Sox payrolls, I mean, they've been enormous for a while now. They're not, uh, and, and granted, this year the Dodgers have the biggest, most outrageous payroll, but there, there are plenty of enormous payrolls. I just can't view the, the Red Sox as this. Um, Cinderella, underdog. I mean, when they hadn't won forever and they had the jinx, the hex, all that stuff, okay, and and they were the gutty team and everybody rooted for them, and sure, but but now, they're the fifth biggest payroll in baseball. I mean, their fans are spoiled. They're, they are basically the Yankees. <laughs> That's $184 million payroll versus the Yankees' $203 million payroll. Hey, Mets. You got a $200 million payroll. <laughs> I mean, at least everybody else is in the mix, right? Everybody else is good. The Cardinals have a top 10 payroll. Um, um, you don't have to pay because the Rays don't, <clears throat> but mostly teams have to pay. Most of the smaller payrolls don't get it done. The Rays, with their $70 million payroll, man, they, they find good players. They develop good players. And when it's time to pay players, they let them go, and they find more good young players who don't have to be paid. <laughs> I wonder if they ever got a ballpark that fans liked that was good for the fan experience. <laughs> Could they get some fans and, or there's just too many Yankee fans in Florida, you know, in spring training all these years and people retiring from the Northeast and moving down and rooting for the teams in the area they left. I don't know what the deal is there, but the Rays are amazing. And in everybody else in the playoffs with these just enormous, enormous payrolls. And you think about it, the Dodgers payroll is almost four times bigger than Tampa Bay's. It's not like uh, 12 or $13 million short of being four times bigger than Tampa Bay's. All right, we got a jazz game tonight. Utah Jazz are back in action, so you can uh, channel surf between the baseball game, which will be Dodgers-Cardinals, 6 o'clock, and then you got the Jazz in Dallas. Now, it won't be all of the Jazz. It'll, I expect it'll be some of the Jazz. The Jazz sat two of their five starters and two of their probably top four subs. So four of their nine rotation guys were sitting in San Antonio. Rudy Gobert didn't play. Rudy Gay didn't play. Um, Joe Ingles didn't play. And Bogey. uh, Bogey didn't play either. Um, Rudy Gay's definitely out. Bogey, they said some shoulder issues, so he might be out. You know, maybe Rudy plays and Donovan sits tonight. Maybe Ingles plays and somebody else sits. Um, if, you, if you're going to play the seventh man, maybe you can sit the sixth man. Maybe Jordan Clarkson sits. We'll have to see how it works out. But I would I would expect really limited minutes for the guys who do play. The guys who played, it was 15 to 22 minutes. But, you know, if you want to see some of the younger guys, who should make the roster, who shouldn't, who is prepared to step into the rotation, because inevitably they are going to be injuries and somebody's going to have to. I don't know who's going to get hurt or for how long, but there are many NBA teams sailing through a season. And, and I also think that, you can just plan on no back-to-backs for Mike Conley. Um, you probably should have planned on that on your own without me telling you, but I'll just go ahead and remind you. Um, 
Yeah, probably no Mike Conley back-to-back. So that would be a pretty safe bet this year. So the Jazz tonight. You got the Jazz and you got the playoff baseball, and then we'll get into the uh, the football on Thursday night. We'll save that for another night. All right, coming up, we're going to uh, talk a little Utes, talk a little Cougars. Coming up next, you're going to hear from Kalani Sataki as uh, he addresses the media and gets the Cougars ready for the game with Boise State. And also Frank Dolce coming up as the uh, former Utah quarterback, our Ute insider, joins us every week. This has certainly been an unusual week for the Utes. A tragic week, a sad week, and yet you're supposed to get ready and play a big football game at USC. So now USC's got their own issues. They're certainly not the issues the Utes are dealing with, but they do have their own issues. We'll get into all of that with Frank coming up as well. So a lot of college football on the way. Stay with us, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. It's back-to-back Mountain West Conference opponents for the Cougars as they welcome in Boise State to Lavelle Edwards Stadium for a showdown against the Broncos. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday at 1230 with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to hear from the BYU football coach, Kalani Sataki. The Cougars, winners of five in a row, 16 out of 17, getting ready to play Boise State. Can they beat the Broncos for the third straight year? And we will... uh, of course, before we make any picks, try to figure out who's playing for the Cougars, who's healthy. Start with the quarterback position, but there are other guys too. Here's Kalani Sataki with the media. All right. Well, uh, really excited about this week. Looking forward to the matchup with Boise State. Um, had a fun weekend and uh, got an extra day of rest. So our guys took, took advantage of that and will be ready to practice today, this afternoon. So uh, I'll keep it short and simple and just... Take any questions you guys may have. Jared Lloyd, go ahead. Let's start with the obvious one. Kalani, what's the plan for quarterback this week? Yep. Uh, as far as right now, they're all still in in, in uh, contention to play this Saturday. So uh, until we practice and get a look at them, um, no one's been taken off. Uh, so every, right now is today. Uh, everyone's still available to play. Do you have any other injury updates? Uh, no, nobody lost for the season. So, nope, guys are still banged up and uh, guys are trying to come back. And so we'll see, we'll see how that goes. But hard to predict from Monday to going into a Saturday game. But uh, imagine we're going to get more guys back this week, we're hoping. Mitch, go ahead. Yeah, Kalani, what, what factors will go into deciding Jaron Hall or Baylor Romney's availability this week? How practice goes and, and you know, where we feel is who's ever the most ready to give us a, a chance to win. That's the that's that position, quarterback, and every other position that's going to be out there where guys are still trying to come back from injury and things like that. So O-line quarterback, running back, doesn't matter. All, all the positions go through the same protocol, which is 
practice and if you can practice then we'll gauge who you know who or or what situation we're going to be in come game day and how often has has jaron since his injury against arizona state how often has he been able to take snaps and practice and, and get those first team reps still you want a number I, I don't know like not often enough to play so um not not enough for where i feel comfortable that he can go out and play in the game and where we feel like he's in a position to protect himself so yeah that that's probably the easiest way for me to say it and we're gonna like i've always said this we're gonna protect our players and so, sometimes even from themselves Okay, let's go uh, Jake Hatch and then Jay Drew. Yeah, Kalani, in terms of Tyler's performance, going back and watching the film, were you struck anything different watching it a second time or a third time? Uh, really impressive and um, just I, I was really pleased with everything from the other 10 guys on the field as well. You know, I, I thought um, – I like I like the play calls. I like the way our players. Uh, Utah State's one that the defense that brings a lot of pressure, and I thought Tyler uh, ran the ball the right way. And it's stuff that we thought we saw all week that we we could get in practice. And so it's nice to see that uh, you know transition over to the game. I thought our scout team gave us a great look and some of the looks that we saw in the game. And uh, that's why it's really important that we get those guys that give us a great look and, and make things really hard for us. Cause that that's a lot like what the game went for us. And I was really impressed with the way Tyler and Lopini and, and everyone that had the ball in their hands, the way that they protected the ball. That's the thing that I'm always going to go to first. And what's your assessment of Boise state? Are they more of a similar Boise state that you've seen in the past or are they any different this year? Very similar. I mean, I think for us, it's the names we we, we notice. I mean, it, it, this is a, a rivalry game for us where uh, something that, that we're familiar with, seeing all these guys on the field again and, and them returning. And I think they have, um, you know, Bachmeyer is a really good quarterback. He's efficient. He knows how to spread the ball out, and he has great targets to throw to. He can also run. He's a, he's athletic. Um, you put that with all the receivers that they have, the tight ends, big targets. They have a, a core of running backs that can run the ball. Um, a number of I think like four guys that we looked at that 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 are guys that are going to get carries, and then. Um, you know, I think they have one of the, the most dynamic receivers in college football. I think Shakir is a really good player and um, well-coached team. So I know that they've been, like a lot of other teams, have been, been dealing with injuries and banged up guys. And so, um, you know, that they're, they're a really tough opponent. I know we're going to get their best shot. I know their head coach, and he's going to get them ready. So uh, we're looking forward to the matchup. But this is our, our entire focus is on um, us improving and and. There's things that we saw from last week in the game that we could do better. Um, but I'm probably going to say that every week, you know what I mean? But I, I think a lot of the, the, the issues um, that, that could really help us out more is just uh, us not being assignment sound enough. And that's in all three phases. So uh, I'd like to see where guys make plays on us, but we're in, always in the right spot with the right technique. And that's from defense point of view and from offense same thing. They have to stop us. They have to stop all eleven guys in the field doing from doing their job. So, 
but uh, yeah, I just I'm really excited about this week. I'm excited about the matchup. I think they have a physical O line, big O line, and D line, and active backers and, and and DBs, and so be a good matchup. It's going to be a lot of fun. Go ahead, Jay. Kalani, now that you have a top ten ranking, five and zero, oh, haven't trailed in any games. How difficult will it be to keep this group grounded? Or is that part of the culture that you've embedded that you don't have to worry about such matters? No, I mean, it's one of those seasons where we need to stay hungry and you keep working. I mean, if, if everybody thought that we would be this, we would have been ranked number 10 preseason, you know, so there's still a lot of more opportunities for us to shock people and um, there's still more for us to do. So I think we've got to keep that edge. Um, we'll talk about it as a team. We always talk about it. The guys are really focused. I appreciate our coaches and our players being uh, ultra focused on 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 this week. And um, you know, so we we saw a lot of great things on 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 uh, Friday last Friday, but man, we saw a lot of opportunities that we missed out on too. So I love that these guys are willing to learn and, and trying to get better. They're looking forward to today's practice. So it's going to be a lot of fun for us to get out there and try to find ways to get better and get guys, some guys healthy. And we'll see what, what happens when, when, when we get to Saturday. And I wanted to ask just about the series with Boise State. Obviously, in a couple of years, you'll be in the Big 12. Do you like this series? Would you like to see it continue? I know it's contracted to continue, but obviously things will have to change. Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I don't know all the details of everything. That's a Tom Homo uh, question. Uh, but I, I, I really appreciated the consistency in playing Boise uh, every year. And I appreciate, uh, you know, their fan base and, and their program, just the way they do things. I think it's a, it's a first-class organization from the university to the athletics department to the football team. So, um, yeah, I, I, I respect them a, a bunch. And like I said, we're looking forward to this matchup, but this is a team that we're used to playing against. Um, there's a lot of really good people on, on that roster that, that we know and our players are friends with. So it's a, it's a, you know, we're geographically, we're close enough where, where we know that there's some local people that are there. And like I said, we have players on our team that are good friends with, with players on their team. So it'd be a lot of fun. They're great coaching staff. And um, I think they're, they're a dangerous opponent. You know, we, we need to, have all our focus on them and, and respect the game as much as possible. That means that we need to make sure that we show up at our best this Saturday. And next we'll have a question from Ron at the Idaho Statesman and then uh, Mitch Harper. Hey coach. So kind of building on that last question um, over the, certainly over the last five or 10 years, you guys have been Boise State's most heated rival. As you look back at all those great games, how do you and your program kind of view that series? I know you have the in-state rivalry with Utah and Utah State, but is Boise State up there with those games? Yeah, definitely. I, I think it is. I mean, that's – I think it, it all depends on who you talk to, but from our, our point of view as a football program, we definitely do. We have a lot of respect for them, and, and uh, it's been helpful that we play them every year, you know. So I think uh, the, the connection that we have to, to people on that staff – I mean, Frank's up there. That's one That's one of our, our, our people that, that we know. I've known him for a long time. Um, I've known their head coach for a long time, and that they have great fans. There's a lot of crossover, and um, you know, from, from people that I know from Idaho that are, are that support Boise, and, and um, so the, we have a good connection. I, I think it's a it's a it's a nice uh, 
rivalry to have and and uh it's a fun one for us and uh you know there's sometimes that that i wish we could have some of those games back just like i know they wish they could and so uh you know it's good to have it as an annual thing and uh, i'm glad that they stepped up and played us last year that was awesome for them to do that and uh when they didn't have to you know and and that, that was um you know, I, I respect them so much for, for doing that. And, and I'm just really looking forward to, to the game this Saturday. And, and we get to have it in Pro Bowl and it's going to be national TV. And it's, it's, it's a great opportunity for both programs to show what they have to, uh, you know, possible recruits that are out there and, and also fan bases that are out there in the world. Thanks, Coach. Blani, uh, A.E.Rod uh, called you uh uh, the the uh, Ted Lasso of college football coaches uh, because of the culture you have in your program. Uh, how would you describe the, the culture of, of BYU football right now? I don't know. I don't know enough about Ted Lasso to make a comment on that one. So I don't, I'm not trying to promote other TV shows and everything like that. I'm just so focused on, on uh, what we're doing as a team. So I, the culture, listen, it's, 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 um, I wish I could say it's something that's original and unique to, to what I know, but it's stuff that I grew up with from being, you know, I've had a lot of people that have really spent a lot of time um, and and their energy in helping me mentor me and bring me along the way. And that's from family, friends and, and coaches along the way. So I, I was able to thrive in an environment that Lavelle provided for us when I was a coach. And so I take all the, those things that Lavelle did and, all the things I learned as a kid and as a coach and look at the stuff that I can combine with what um, Bronco did and what Croton did and, and what I learned from other coaches along the way, like Kyle and others and, and other mentors that are out there like Andy Reed and, and other coaches that are available. I mean, uh, and then just try to put something together that, that I think could make it, make it work and focused on, on the players and focus on us trying to get better and trying to love and learn as much as we can. Okay, let's have uh, Sean Walker and then Jared Lloyd. Yeah, Coach, I wanted to ask you about the depth of your secondary because it's been obviously one of those areas we've talked about injuries kind of back there with the corners and the safeties kind of moving around a bit. Uh, But it seems like they just keep stepping up. And I think another really good example this past weekend was Jacob Robinson kind of thrown into the fire against his own team and coming up with that big pick and and whatnot. But how how deep is this secondary overall? And and can you maybe – uh, just illuminate us a little bit on, on how big Jacob's um, game was on Friday. Yeah, it was a great game. It would have been even better if he would have caught the first one that he dropped. So that, that would have been awesome. Uh, but I was really pleased with some of the things that he did coverage-wise. And I'm going to tell you, uh, Coach Guilford has done an amazing job with, with, the, with the corners specifically and Ed Lamb with the safeties. So that, that's been a work in progress from the very beginning. And, and we've had to be in situations where we threw guys out there to play locked up man coverage against some great athletes. And, and they've had to learn the hard way. And, and now we have some depth. And um, I think I think um, it's a good sign for us. We, we talked about creating depth on the team. And it wasn't just O-line, D-line. It was all, all around. And, and so part of that is development and part of that is, is our players having great work ethic and definitely the mentoring and the coaching that they receive from Gennaro and from Ed and others, um, and from Elisa and others on that staff, Preston and others. So, um, yeah, we, we, we put them out a little bit on the island a little bit this last game and, and it worked out. And I don't know if we can do that all the time, but it gives us some 
it gives us some um you know some flexibility we can be versatile with our with our play call sheet jared go ahead kalani you talked about physicality and you know some of the fun plays from last week we're watching some of those receivers make some big blocks how important has it been to develop that physical mindset across the board because it seems like offense defense special teams like that's that's what you want from your guys and that's what you're getting and that's what's contributed to a lot of the success yeah, I, I think the the physical and tough part of the game comes down to what you're willing to do. It comes down to accountability. Uh, a lot of people think that it's just about being strong and being tough in those other ways, but it's, it's it's just being accountable and be willing to do your part. You know, so uh, guys are willing to do their jobs. I mean, we've had great blocks. That's that's the difference between a, a good run and, and a great run is is someone requiring uh, that you you ask to do their job and then do it um, an amazing job at it. And so we ask our players to do one eleventh, and great things will happen. And that's proof of it right there, you know. And, and I'm just really grateful that I have young men that are willing to work hard and willing to sacrifice a lot of things and, and hold each other accountable. And, um, you know, when you do things like that, it, I think I think you can have a lot of success. But it comes down to the, who those young men are and being, being, having the courage to be um, the, the, the young men that their mom and dads want them to be here at BYU. And so uh, I, I get I get the benefit a lot from 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 those young men being raised up the right way. The other thing I was curious about, um, we've talked before about the idea of style points, how as an independent style can make a difference to some people, but you always talk about respecting the game. Do you feel like just that karma element and that respect for the game does help the team just respecting, you know, the college football in general? I think it's a big part of it. I I don't know. I I can't tell what other coaches should do and how fans should act, but I I like having uh, fans around and I love, um, you know, being able to connect and compete against uh, our opponents. So I, I don't know how everybody else wants to do it, but um, we could have got, as you said, more style points last year, but instead we chose to work some players into reps. And this year we're benefiting from those guys getting the development. And so if you talk about development, it, it's not just uh, what they do in the weight room, how much stronger and faster they get. It's giving them the trust to get out there and play in games and, and rotate. And, and, you know, I've had people tell me, well, you guys rotate too much. How come no one's saying that anymore? You know what I mean? Now they're talking about our depth is, is really good, but that's the thing is we've, we've had, we've been working on this for a while now, but it's a commitment that we're making to, to our players and to our, I mean, Zach Wilson didn't complain at all last year when we took him out of the games. He understood what, what, what our culture is and what we're trying to accomplish. And that's giving Baylor and, and others a, a chance to get out there on the field, you know? And so uh, same thing with Tyler and others. It's not about the stats. It's about what's right in the game. And, and that means these guys that have worked extremely hard when they have an opportunity to play, Let's give him a chance to do it. Okay, and last question from Jake. Kalani, kind of building a little bit off that, a new wrinkle we've seen in your defense is Chaz Ayu and or Morgan Piper kind of manning that middle linebacker role and kind of that hybrid defense you've put out over the last two weeks. Is that something you've had in the pipeline for a while now, or is that something you guys did in response to the teams you've played recently? A little bit of both. I, th- I think um, the, the hardest part was losing Keenan Peely. That 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 was very difficult for our defense. And 
because he's a captain, you know, and he's a leader, but uh, he was playing so well, man. He, he was playing great football. And so the, to lose him was harsh for our, our team, but we had to reload and figure out a, a way to put the best 11 on the field. And it just so happens that we have a lot of versatile players that can play a lot of different positions and um, that, that are physical and strong enough to play in, in the box as a linebacker, but have the speed to go out and cover people in the slot and, and, and play in the deep post. Um, and so we have those type of athletes like, like, Chaz and like um, Morgan and others that can do it. And so, yeah, we're, if we have those athletes, we, we love recruiting athletes and what people might call hybrids and putting them in a lot of different places. That's why we have so many different um, positions listed on our depth chart. And, and people are always wondering what that is because we have a bunch of guys that can play a lot of different positions. And um, when you're going against a team that does a lot of pro style it's different than when you're going against a team that does a lot of spread formations and, and it just so happens that Boise does it all so uh, we, you know we have to have all our guys ready to roll and, and all our sub packages ready to go as well so uh, going against Utah State last week that was difficult because they were so fast high pace and I thought uh, uh, Elisa Tuyaki did a great job of getting the defense ready he and, and Ed and and Gennaro and, and, and Clune and, and uh, Preston had a great game plan and I'm um, just glad our guys, you know, got got the win and, and played really hard and played really assignment sound football. Uh, but we can always improve and get better. One more quick question for you. I just wanted to get your assessment of Connor Pay as well as Campbell Barrington getting their first starts of the season along that offensive line. Yeah, Connor started for us before at guard earlier this year. He and Joe Tukwafu were uh, um, sharing reps at right guard. And then um, with James not being able to go, we know that we can move Connor to center. So he played, uh, I think he did that in, in, you know, he's played a lot in the bowl game last year. And we knew that he was something special just because he could play all five positions. Not a lot of linemen can do that. And so having Connor step up and do that was, was huge for us. And, um, you know, Campbell stepped up and he played against South Florida, came in and filled in for Harris when Harris got hurt and then got his first start and did an amazing job. So, uh, I mean, you know, we like our depth and I, I just and we need to get guys healthy, though. You know, I, I think the depth has been tested quite enough now. So it's time to get I need to start saying we like our guys getting healthier so we can get them all back for the Saturday. But really happy with the guys that stepped in and, and, and made plays. There's Kalani Sataki with the media. When we come back, Frank Dolce is talking you. Stay with us. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The Utes look to pick up their first ever win in the Coliseum as they hit the road to square off against the Trojans of USC. Catch the Ute pregame show Saturday at 5 o'clock with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference. Nobody brings you better coverage of youth football. You ready? Yeah! The 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's time now to talk youth football with Frank Dolce. He's on the Smart Rain guest line. Utah being a drought next summer, Smart Rain knows that 2022 budget planning for most businesses is coming soon. So take advantage of their save now, pay later promotion. And do your part by saving water while saving money. Check out Best of State Award winner Smart Rain at SmartRain.net. Frank, good morning. Good morning, DJ. 
what what's happening? Utah is getting ready to play USC, and in any other time, we could break down the football and go crazy, and maybe we'll do that later in the segment. But I think uh, the way Kyle Whittingham opened his press conference, just acknowledging, you know, they're recovering from the ultimate tragedy, and it's twice in less than a year. It sits heavy on their hearts. It was so senseless. I mean, he went on. You can listen to it online, 1280thezone.com. But it just left me, and it's totally understandable. And I'm just curious about the energy and focus it took you to play college football back in the day and the teams you followed, because the energy in the building is just all wrong for a big-time college football game. And we totally get why, and there's nothing anyone can do about it. And we want to talk about football. And Kyle did later in his press conference talk about how when you get on the field, you zone in, and that's the only thing that matters. And I get that there's some truth to it, but I wonder in this case if that's even possible. So before we get to the physical aspect of the game, the mental and emotional, this is this is a, I don't un, unprecedented as far as I know. Maybe somebody's got something to compare it to, but it just everything he said was right. And yet the emotion in the building was wrong. It's just one of those things that it is the way it is. Yeah, I it I don't know how you – I mean, I, I think the, the best thing that the team has going for them is that they're, you know, they're all together and they can, they can kind of manage this together, work through this together. Uh, so I think that's – I think that's positive. Um, but – you know who who knew that you'd get another you know some sort of life lesson in the middle of a of a football season or life experience in the middle of a football season that you just weren't expecting and to be on you know the level of this tragedy and and like you said two twice in in less than a year and and the circumstances surrounding it with with those two guys Aaron and Ty being being close, so uh, I you know, I don't have a good answer about how you manage it, other than everybody being together and kind of working through it together. And then maybe maybe it just gives a little perspective to a football season. <laughs> you know, we've been pretty. I've been pretty critical of Utah this year. Lots of people have been pretty critical of Utah this year, and and maybe we forget that it's a bunch of kids running around playing football. And I know there's lots of other things involved, but at the end of the day, it is, that's, it is that. And, um, and maybe, maybe we should, maybe it's a good thing for us to, to look back on how we, how we manage all of these situations with these, with these guys playing and seeing where they can, kind of get some joy out of it and joy out of their lives and maybe not so much on, well, if you don't beat your rival or if you do beat your rival and what are the implications and who's going to win the championship? Those are all fun things to talk about, but maybe not to the level of what, um, or certainly not to the level of what the team is experiencing right now. And um, maybe gaining a little perspective for all of us out of this situation is not a bad thing. Football could potentially be a therapy. In 2003, USC had a player drowned right before camp started. Mm-hmm. And they went 12-1. and one. I mean, Yeah. So, 
I don't know what the so, answer is, but it potentially could be therapy. I don't disagree with that. It's it, it, to have something to if you're if you don't have some activity um, to take your mind elsewhere for a short period of time. I think that is healing as well to, to have some sort of distraction rather than dwelling on it. And I'm not saying that uh, you should, I mean, move past it. I, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying um, you should give it, it's certainly give it its time and you should um, think about it and be curious about it and how it affects your life. And, and then realize that you have all of these other aspects of your life and how do you become a better person as a result of it. So I, I think that's right to have that, to have, to have the team, to have the group, to have a season, to have a game, to have a practice, something that you can focus on, focus your inner energies on in a positive manner. I think that's certainly helpful. So to switch to the, uh, the football side of this, as you look at the uh, Pac-12, Kyle brought up the fact that two weeks in, roughly, I mean, the Utes are one and USC's four, but for a lot of teams, they're two games in, and nine of the 12 teams already have a loss. There's only three teams still undefeated in conference play. I mean, everybody's got a loss overall, but in conference play. Is there anybody you have any faith in, or is this just a complete wild scramble in the entire Pac-12? And while it will take everyone out of the playoff picture, it will be wildly entertaining to see who wins the conference. I don't know who leads the conference right now. I mean, i i, I think you could make a I think you could make a reasonable suggestion that it's it's Oregon State based on the way they've played recently. So I, I think I might just put the Beavers right up near the top. Uh, and I, I still believe that Oregon is talent-wise at the top. Uh, I don't think their quarterback play uh, is – I think their quarterback play is problematic, um, even though he's super talented. So that I think that will be a question. I think that was a question um, in their loss last weekend. And I, I even though Stanford was the team that took them down, I don't know that I put Stanford at the top. Stanford looks like a beatable football team to me, um, but they, but they, it's also that team that can you know that can beat anybody on the schedule. So. Uh, but and and Stanford's had this thing with Oregon over the years, which I think is kind of kind of funny to to look at. So, uh, and 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 so in the North Division and Washington, I think I, I just don't think Washington's. Maybe they'll fi- figure out a way to get on track. I don't think they're there yet. Um, Washington State is not great. Cal obviously not great. So I, I mean, it's it's got to be it's got to be Oregon. Oregon State, Oregon, Stanford, in the in the top on the north, and then in the south, um, I mean, it was kind of this. PK, you and I talked about it last week. It was kind of I was like maybe Arizona State, UCLA, and you were like maybe UCLA and Arizona State. So I still think that's probably the case. Um, 
maybe now Arizona State gets the slight edge. But, I mean, UCLA could go on a run and win the rest of their games. Yes. And Arizona State's a beatable football team. Yes. So it's likely that a two-loss team in conference comes out as champ. I mean, I, so, so I don't know. I, I still think that's what it is. Arizona State, UCLA, um, Utah, USC, and then Colorado, Arizona. Yes, I think ASU has the slight lead this week, but when we convene next week, it could be it could be Utah. Actually, if That's Utah exactly goes right. to the Coliseum and wins, they'll be two and zero, and they've had the bye, so they've got one less game. Obviously, that'll flush out here, and the Devils play Stanford, and Stanford, uh, yeah, check about the middle of the second quarter to see if it's their week or not. <laughs> Who knows? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the Devils, the Devils could be three and zero, and then they would strengthen their position. So the point is, even though SC still has two losses. And I already has two losses, I should say. They, I'm not ruling them out because it is so fluky this year. Oregon doesn't have a good quarterback. They don't. I've been saying this for weeks. DJ can back me up on this. I don't. I don't think he's good enough. I think this Thompson kid is a freshman, and I think they're going to go with him. And but they've got all this pressure to try to win now, so they're not ready. But I do think if they could, if they would step back and play him, they would be in a better position next year to get to the playoff because I think he's better over the term that they're going to be there. Uh, He's going to be there than this other kid, but you know, he's not apparently not ready. So there's all this pressure to win now and they didn't get it done. So I understand that I can appreciate that and respect, especially at Oregon because they're paying top dollar to everyone to be in the playoff. So that's their standard. The rest of the programs with the exception of SC don't have that level of standard. So you can get uh, with, uh, David Shaw and put in the McKee kid and let him develop a little bit. And with that development, you're going to get some hot and cold. So as far as the Utes go, and it's it's I say all they got to do, and it's Mm -hmm. a monumental task. But if they pull it off, I view them as potentially in the driver's seat. Pretend uh, uh, with the acknowledgement of what happens with Stanford and ASU Friday. Absolutely. I don't disagree with that at all. And I, the, the, I look across Utah's schedule in the South and the rest of their schedule, I guess. Um, and I, there are some matchups that, that bother me. Like Utah USC is always a good matchup for Utah. That, that seems to fit. And, uh, and I think it's a good fit this year for Utah. So I, I'm, fairly confident. I mean, I think that this is a year that Utah could go into the Coliseum and figure out how to win that game against a USC team that's in in disarray. So, good. Let's I like that I like that fit. Um UCLA Utah bothers me a little bit because uh I I I don't think UCLA's great, but they do some things offensively that Utah hasn't done well stopping this year and that's especially with a with a quarterback that can get out of the pocket um and so that that's a little bit of a concern arizona state i don't think is a great matchup for for utah same thing with the with that mobile sure athletic quarterback but they can lose that game and still win the thing though (laughs) but they could yeah yeah. (laughs) so so that's the that's the crazy stanford utah i think that's a good matchup like i think utah is that's a very favorable matchup for utah and then you know colorado arizona those are I think those are very winnable games. So as I look across their schedule, um, 
I could see Utah. I could see Utah winning the rest of their Pac-12 South games. Unlikely. I could see Utah going through and only losing one and coming out on top in the South. Uh, I think that's very reasonable. But I but I think that's very reasonable for a few teams in the South. So we'll just. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not willing to say this is the team. I'm going to put a stake in the ground with yeah, this right. team and say they're going to win it. So I think there's one theory out there that USC's been up and down here. They've neither won consecutive games or lost consecutive games. They've alternated wins and losses, and they're 3-2. and two. But then maybe it's just our preseason expectations. Maybe they aren't up and down. Stanford and Oregon State, top half of the league. Washington State, Colorado, bottom half of the league. So they beat Washington State and Colorado, and they lose to Stanford and Oregon State, is USC, considering they've already had a coaching change and they missed on one or two recruiting classes that are now kind of the middle, the heart of this roster, are they just a mediocre to maybe slightly above average team? Yeah, I think that's probably true. We, we always used to say, and I still say a little bit, that USC has you know the most talent around the, the Pac-12. And that for a long time that was true. A couple bad recruiting cycles. I think they still have significant amounts of talent. Maybe they, you know, they edge out all the other teams in terms of of talent, but it's not quite what it used to be. And uh, and it's a team that hasn't figured out how to how to win. And it's a team that I don't think. I mean, there's a lot of people high on Slovis, and I, I don't. I think there's lots of potential with Slovis. I don't think the quarterback play there has been terrific. And I'm gonna, you know. Obviously, it's the quarterback pulling the trigger, but I, I'm not. I have never been a big fan of of uh, the offensive system they're currently running. Doesn't seem like a fit. So, so yeah, I, I think that USC is a team that still has enough talent. If they figure out how to get everyone going down the the same, going in the same direction, then they're going to be very difficult to beat. But it's not such an array of talent that it's overwhelming to another to another team in the south and i think i think we've seen that so uh it's a it's a talented but beatable usc football team a couple things concern me from the utah perspective they have had some outstanding big-time receivers in recent years i mean i would need a program to list all the guys in the nfl if i start naming them i guarantee Uh i'd leave some out uh, this Drake London might be the best of them all. I mean, he is something to to behold and watch. So the Utes have got to get a handle on him, which means that they've got to get in Slovis's face. I mean, that goes hand in hand, obviously. And then I think on the other side that USC has been susceptible to passing. So their pass defense. Uh, and I'm wondering, you know, we put a lot of – hope right now on Cam Rising, but I also think we have to step back and think he's only basically played a game and a half. Uh, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. his whole entire college career is a game and a half. So we, maybe we need to back off a little about, uh, off that a little bit and let him grow. But if they can find a, a way to curtail the Drake man and find success throwing the ball, I think they got a decent shot. I don't know if they can, though. I think the defense has taken enough of a step forward that uh, the ability to pressure the quarterback is, I, I think it's really reasonable to think that's going to occur in this game. And, and Slovis 
the the other thing I like about it is Slovis doesn't necessarily present the problems of breaking out of the pocket and scrambling around or running downfield for 15 yards on a broken play. So, you, you know, Utah certainly can't lose lose contain or lose discipline up front. But I think the ability to get pressure on the quarterback, I'm optimistic about that for Utah defensively. The other side is a little more tricky because it is very tempting to say, hey, we should be able to do this in the passing game against against USC. The, the, the issue is um, USC is still pretty talented on the, in the, on the defensive front. And Utah when they take a step back into pass protection, just hasn't been very good. And so you're, you're now putting, you're, you're likely putting rising in a situation where he's going to be under pressure lots of time, lots of the time and, and forced to throw the ball downfield because you think that's, that's where you win the game is you can exploit a defensive secondary that's weak against the pass. I, I don't, I don't like that philosophy. And I'm not saying that's happening. I just, you know, making assumptions. I, I would say that Utah just needs to just kind of figure out what they've done best over the first few weeks or, or where they're trending and work with their strengths. And if, the, you know, their strengths are going to have to be good enough to beat USC on the defensive side. I like Utah running the football. I like Pledger and the way that he made a step forward. I think there's, a, you know, a couple other really talented, really talented backs. And then, you know, putting putting Rising in a situation where he has to drop back five or seven steps and sit out, sit around in the pocket for a minute and let things unfold in the secondary, I don't think that's advantageous based on what we've seen the first several weeks. So, uh, you know, maybe a more of a quick hitting passing game, get rid of the ball quickly, or get your quarterback on the move um, outside of the pocket because he is athletic. Uh, and maybe that's maybe that's something Utah can utilize, but but I don't think that that because USC has been weak against the pass for Utah to to go into this game and say, well, we're going to throw the ball all over the field. I'm not sure that's reasonable. Maybe yeah. it is. Maybe we'll be proven, or I'll be proven completely wrong. Should be right. But 450 um, yards passing for Cam Rising. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, absolutely. I absolutely would love this to month. see that. Based on yeah, based on what we've seen coming into this game, it doesn't seem like that's a, a reasonable way to approach the game. If they get the run game going and he gets to throw off play action, I can see him making a bunch of big plays. If he has For to sure. throw the ball 50 times off seven still oh, drops. Geez, Kyle will drop dead a heart attack. Kyle will have a heart attack. <laughs> Cam Rising will separate his shoulder and USC will intercept 10 passes. That's not the way oh that you should be playing. But I that, do think if he's throwing. a difficult afternoon. But I think if he's throwing off play action, he might make big plays. I don't, I don't think he should rule that out. You know? Well, yeah, you know, and. I, I like that game plan, but you know the key to getting play action to work is yeah is having a, a ground game running so the game. I would love fumbling, running the ball yeah. and not fumbling the uh, the ball away and and keeping it off the turf. So yep. you know I think if Utah cleans up some of those small issues, uh, becomes a little more stout at the line of scrimmage in the pass game, gets the run game going. I I think they have a very very good chance of going in and, and winning one in the Coliseum. Frank, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. Hey, absolutely. Of course, I appreciate visiting with you guys every week. And uh, PK, I just wanted to mention what a nice article uh, you wrote 
to honor a dear friend of all of ours. Um, man, this business is awful sometimes, <laughs> but that guy, uh, Gordon is one of a kind and we certainly wish him the best. He's a, you know, he's a, he's a legacy in the, in the broadcast industry. No, Absolutely. big time. There, there's, there's only a 1280 the zone because he and Bowler put their heads together and decided to make phone calls. That's historical fact. Other people played a big role. PK brought up one of our bosses who wrote us a nice email. He had a big role, but if they don't pick up the phone, there's right. no 1280 right. to the zone. You're right. It's, it's inarguable. <laughs> that's a, that was a critical moment in time and decision those two yep. guys made. Yep. And we've all benefited from it. I've benefited from yep. it. PK has. Yach has. Good for them. Yep. Thanks, guys. <laughs> and thank you, Frank. <laughs> yeah. That was a good shout at the end. Good call by you. Absolutely. You all got right. it. Well done, Thanks. Gordon. All, all right, right, guys. Thank you. There is Frank Dolce, our Utah insider. When we return, what is trending? All the headlines next. Your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Trending! Are you ready? ready. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Played a lot, and that's something that I think this team needs to do to improve and to be able f- for them to make adjustments and to really to communicate. Sometimes the more that I am, you know, my voice is dominant. It doesn't allow for them to do that, so I'm able to pick my spots more and intervene and, and interject and coach. You know, when that appropriate window takes place, as opposed to blowing the whistle after one possession. Quinn Snyder on his approach to training camp this year. People got a chance to see him. On Zoom in a practice, you'll get a chance to see him in a preseason game tonight. AT&T Sportsnet, NBA TV, tip-off set for 6.30. Our coverage will start at 5.30 with Jake Scott and Tim Lacombe. Game two of the Slim Down four-game exhibition season. I know exactly what he's saying, because a lot of times I feel like my voice is dominant, and I, and I have to let you blossom. You know what I mean? Because... You have a lot to prove, and so I need to let you prove it instead of just, after one comment, correcting you. Thank you, PK. Yeah. And so I, I, I appreciate with Coach Q. So did saying, you figure this Q. out, and then you coached Quinn up, or you saw what Quinn did, and then you adjusted your behavior accordingly, or you're just two guys figuring out life, and you happen to figure the same thing out at the same time? No, I listen to him. He's wise. And so the great thing about me is I receive counsel so easily, too. And so I'm able to listen. I'm one of the better listeners that I know. And then I'm able to instruct you because I'm one of the better teachers that I know. Hmm. How many guys do you believe will be taking tonight off? We saw two starters and two rotation guys. I'll have my feet up. (laughs) Take the night off. Four guys who ought to be playing in playoff games did not play in San Antonio. Well, they, Rudy Gay's out for sure, and we know that. I just think it's way cool that they text me this injured stuff and you two don't get it. And you, yep, and that's why Yacht, I ask you. Yacht gets all bugged about it. Yeah, fill me in, go. I don't know how I got on the list, but nevertheless. Uh, so, injury report. Boya and Abadana, he will not play basketball because he has right shoulder soreness. Okay. And Rudy Gay has the right heel thing, which is uh, going to be a lingering wear for a little bit. So that's all they listed, but they'll send an update. I don't really care who plays and who doesn't play. Yep. 
We can channel surf back and forth tonight. We got playoff baseball and we got jazz basketball. So you got two things to watch tonight. 6.30 the tip, 5.30 for the pregame. Jake Scott, Tim Lacone here on the Zone Sports Network. Hashtag NBA. The Brooklyn Nets have been tapped as the heavy favorites to win. We're not going to talk about COVID, are we? NBA title this year. I'm not looking at the list. Is it COVID? I just said the Brooklyn I know, Nets. I know, I know, after this. Uh, there's one after it, but not this one. I know, that's what I'm saying. four items. Right. Are we going to talk about COVID? I don't know. You do too know. You just saw, you saw the list. I don't do everything on the list. Sometimes so I you haven't decided? It. I have not. Okay. And then you probably won't now because you get all self-conscious when I call that stuff out. Well, now you know I will. And you get defensive. Because <laughs> you called it out. But the story we were doing, they surveyed all 30 you, general it, managers. It's irrelevant, though, if the COVID, see, you're, why wouldn't you include COVID? Because Kyrie Irving is a walking soap opera. Yes. So if he's not going to play half the games or what, and then when the playoffs or whatever, I mean, your guy Fauci says he doesn't even know if we can gather for Christmas. Meanwhile, we got 100,000 gathering in uh, Michigan to watch the Wolverines play, but he doesn't know if 20 of us can gather for Christmas. So the point I'm making is these rules that are out there aren't going to change probably anytime soon. So if he can't play in some places, and then what does that mean for the playoffs? He's an integral part of the team. So how can you install the Nets as the favorites? It don't make no sense. Because we've wondered all along, well... I guess there's multiple reasons. On one, paper, they should be the favorite, but that doesn't matter. So one, the general managers could be figuring, oh, he'll get vaccinated and play because he wants to get paid. So this is a soap opera right now, but he wants to get paid, so it, he's going to end up playing. You're trying to assume what Kyrie Irving is going to do. No, I'm is trying very to. Do, not you, speaking right. personally, but that's very dangerous because this guy loves drama one form or another. There's always something with him. And I'm even more dangerous. I'm assuming what GMs are assuming about cut, but they're also assuming he wants to get paid. And then there's the other theory: are the so three guys paid now? Are the three guys too many right now, or would no. they be better off with the two? Well, or do they think they could win with just the two? I think the more talent you have, the better you are. That doesn't make any sense to me. But are Harden and Durant enough to get it done? They got 72 percent of the votes from 30 GMs. Right on paper, they should. I understand that. Lakers got 17%. Bucks got 10. What'd we get? Zero. Only three teams got votes to win it all. Oh, Maron. Nets won, Lakers two, Bucks three. And then the tie for fourth, 27 other teams with 0% of the votes. And of course, by we, I meant the Suns. Zero. The answer's still the same. <laughs> Zero. Well, of only three teams, and you've already named the three teams, I would assume then, on the other 20-some, the answer would be the same. Zero. And you're right, it's all assumptions about Kyrie Irving because the Nets remain unclear. If he can't practice in Brooklyn, can't play home games, he's just going to parachute in for the road games, what the heck's going to go on? Oh, yeah, on? but there's, New York isn't the only one that has these rules. San Francisco does, too. There's other Democratic governors out there. Uh, but L.A. doesn't have the rules. It's more, right now, who knows what it'll be in the long run. But right now, it's a couple of cities that have the rules. Okay, Democratic mayors. You got me there. Right. But there are Democratic mayors all over the place that don't have the rules. I mean, you can play against the Lakers and Clippers. And a Democratic mayor in Utah, you can play against the Jazz. Pau Gasol announced his retirement. That's the Republicans don't care about Salt Lake City. I've heard that. 
<laughs> Pau Gasol announced his retirement from basketball Tuesday, ending a career that lasted more like in 2016. Two decades. Earned two NBA titles and a world championship gold. So now the countdown to his Hall of Fame induction. Does he care about that? I mean, if you're a foreign guy, do you care about getting in America's Hall of Fame? Does that mean as much? I think he spent enough time in the U.S. He does. I don't know what it would mean for someone who hadn't spent as much time, but he played in the NBA for so long. Sure, but you don't have to play a day in the NBA to... You don't, and I don't know what that would mean to a Brazilian player who played in Italy. I don't know what that would mean. But I would think it means something to him. It's not the NBA Hall of Fame. It is not. It's the Basketball Hall of Fame. Phoenix Suns reluctant to offer a maximum rookie contract extension to DeAndre Ayton. Discussions have stalled. Ayton obviously part of that 2021 finals, NBA Finals run. And has no intention of accepting a deal less than the comparable max contract signed by his draft classmates like Trey Young, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and Michael Porter Jr. Well, I don't think he has much of a say in it, though. Because doesn't he just become a restricted free agent? He does. <laughs> uh, when we make this move, I am not signing with them. I'm not going across the street unless they give me $500,000. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> you can say whatever you want, but the market will bear out. I mean, they don't trust him because he's coasted. He's been up and down. He has been up and down. There is no way around that. And he's been more down than up. So he hasn't proven worthy of it. I, I am and Sarver's a penny pincher, but uh, in this case, you're giving some guy who's lacked motivation uh, a, a ticket to just doom your franchise. Prove it to me again. Prove it to me this year. Do you think the other uh, 29 teams will give him a max? Somebody out there will? That the Suns will have to match? Well, then if they do, they do. Uh, no, I don't. It depends. I think go go ahead and have have this kind of season that you think that you are capable of having. Go out Prove be, it to us. Go out and be eighteen and ten guy and well, he can. I think he can roll out of bed and do that though. Uh, B, it's more than that statistically with him. You know how active are you? How many free throws for a big man? He doesn't shoot near enough free throws. Because he plays soft. I mean, these are things that have been said about this kid for a good while now. No, change that. This isn't, you should use this as internal, not external. Oh, they're disrespecting me. You know, if that's what it needs, you need to fuel fuel you, fine, I suppose. But this is your opportunity to prove to the world that you don't need Chris Paul riding your butt all the time. You can do it yourself because Chris Paul ain't going to be around for most of the time that you're under this contract. Because what is he, 38 years old now? Something like that? Going to be some point here? So your theory is, unless he's Tom Brady, Aiden's going to have to do this without Chris Paul. It's a sound theory, right? Well, now. as far as uh, Chris Chris Paul, just reading it to it and listening to people tell me down there, is that he was very um, he was vocal. influential yeah. in getting he Aiden let, to play the best he's played. He now, he's still a young kid. You let him know what was what. Yeah. Again so, and again and again. So go do it for 82 this year. Then you'll get it. They'll, somebody will give it to you if you prove worthy of it. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL.
You know, I made a comment when I got here about the logo, about an owner who wants to win in the worst way. That's one of the reasons I came here. I admire the guy so much, and his drive is in the purest form, and it's for Jacksonville. That's what makes me so angry at myself. I lived that, I believe that, and I failed, and I got to get it back, and I will. Urban talking about regaining the trust in Jacksonville, although the quotes we uh, shared with you during the show yesterday wouldn't be regaining trust so much as actually just gaining trust. And who are these guys to be deciding whether I trust this coach? You know, your football team hasn't been exactly Super Bowl contenders. How about you look in the mirror here and quit worrying about whether I respect the coach? You guys suck. I haven't heard any of that. All I've heard is Urban, Urban. Oh, yeah, Urban. Yeah, Urban's got character flaws. Welcome to the club. And what he did, I think that's between he and his family. And he he says by his own acknowledgement and the owner, go ahead, nice, Urban, kiss the owner's butt there. You know, he just wants to win and blah, 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 blah. I get all that. So, you know, lather him up a little bit. Fine. But I heard nothing about, and all these NFL commentators over here saying, what about the players? What what gives you the right to decide whether you respect somebody or not? You don't have my respect. You're, you, as a team, you've sucked for years. They are 1-15. They have lost 19 straight games. Urban's only got to wear the last four of those. 20 in a row, if they lose this week, will be the second longest losing streak in NFL history. And I'm worried about whether they respect <laughs> me? How about you go out and get a first down? Or, or stop somebody? They got Tennessee this week. Tennessee coming off the loss to the Jets. Well, virtually every team in the NFL is beatable. On any given Sunday, that cliche has been around for decades. Promoted by a former NFL commissioner. It is stuck. Dallas Cowboys let former Pro Bowl linebacker Jalen Smith go. Unable to find a trade for him. He is expensive. They had a rookie they thought could handle it. They had depth, so they just released him. Let him go. Patriots are releasing four-time Pro Bowl cornerback Stephen Gilmore after the two sides were unable to come to terms on a restructured contract to keep him with the franchise. They're reportedly close to bringing back linebacker Jamie Collins after his release by the Lions. And the Chiefs are promoting former Pro Bowl wide receiver Josh Gordon to the 53-man active roster. He's 30 years old, likely available to play this Sunday. Big game, the Chiefs and the Bills at Arrowhead Stadium. Got my attention with that one, Chiefs and Bills. I'll be watching the Broncos on Channel 2. All right. (laughs) Are they on this week? Do we know? Uh, I got NFL tickets, Uh, so I don't give a crap. You have to answer that question. I'll have to answer that. I haven't haven't heard yet. Uh, Usually Tuesday I find out. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Looking to address the growing number of transfers, the NCAA Division I Council approved a one-year waiver Tuesday that will allow college football teams to sign up to seven players to replace those who leave. Current NCAA rules state a team can sign no more than 25 players to a scholarship in any year. That includes incoming high school prospects and college transfers. The waiver will allow teams to sign 25 players, plus as many as seven transfers, not high school players, to replace those who transfer out. So it's no longer 25, PK. It's now 25 plus seven. At least for one year. More free agency in college sports. Okay. I assume some teams are having problems getting that 85 cap with all the transfers. Getting down around 80 players, 78 players. For example, Kansas has been stuck around 60 scholarships for the past four or five years. 
DJ really and suck because nobody wants to go there. Exactly. Good point. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Here's the pitch. And he swings and drives one to center field and deep. Gardner going back, looking off. Goodbye, home run, Xander Bogarts. Two, nothing, Red Sox. Swing and a high fly ball deep to right. Way back to the bullpen goes Judge, and that's way out of here. Green comes set, his pitch. Line drive, base hit over the head of the shortstop and into left center field. It will score two. The throw goes to second, and Verdugo is out. But two runs score on the play. Boston Red Sox get an early lead and win comfortably 6-2 over the New York Yankees. Xander Bogarts, Kyle Schwarber homering off Garrett Cole early in the game. Get him up 3-zip and they ride it from there. Yankees are done and the Red Sox are on to play the Rays. Good for them. Yeah, interesting game. Humphrey Bogarts going deep. Garrett Cole sucking in a big game. He'll be lit up for that. Phil Nevin, the freaking Cal State Fullerton idiot. <laughs> Waving a guy home and getting him thrown out. Aaron Judge on the double by Stanton, and you could have had second and third with one out. You never, ever, ever do that. Two outs, it's another story. One out, no, you have to be 100% sure, especially when video showed that uh, Judge was thinking he was going to be held, so he's, you know, he... Did the thing to try to pace himself so he doesn't overrun the bag type thing. And then Nevin sends him, and he's out by 10 feet. Brutal, brutal, brutal. Run themselves out of the one good inning. Bottom lineup didn't give them much. You don't know what would happen, but still horrible, horrible decision. Cardinals, Dodgers tonight, wild card game. TBS has it at 6 o'clock. Adam Wainwright, Max Scherzer. That's a heavyweight showdown on the mound right there. Those are two big guys, and I think one is 40 and the other is 37. Scherzer might be 38. So there is a a lot of experience there. Both of those guys have pitched in many, many big games. Dodgers don't have Max Muncy, don't have Clayton Kershaw for the foreseeable future, possibly the entire postseason. Of course, their entire postseason could be tonight's game could go on another month, but they are both expected to need surgery for elbow and forearm injuries, so Dodgers shorthanded. Uh, Yes, and so we'll see if Pujols starts at first base. I mean, they've got other options besides him, so I would assume this would be it with him at 41, and what are they going to do there? Would he end his career against the Cardinals, where obviously that's the team that he began with? Eddie Robinson, oldest living former Major League player. General manager for two teams, six decades in the pro game. He was 100 years old, the last surviving member of the Cleveland Indians, 1948 World Series championship squad. He passes away at the age of 100. I thought he coached Grambling. Different Eddie Robinson. What is trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Time now to welcome in Andrew Reinhardt, Wasatch Medical Clinic. Guys, you've been struggling with ED. Andrew joins us with a breakthrough treatment. No pill, no injections, no surgery. Andrew, those are three things I think guys are looking to avoid. Yes, they certainly are. Uh, A man struggling with erectile dysfunction really hasn't had many options. And if you're out there listening, maybe the frequency in the bedroom just isn't what you want it to be. 
either way, this technology at Wasatch Medical is kind of sweeping the country, frankly, helping a lot of guys with pressure waves. It opens up and regrows blood vessels. It treats the root cause problem of ED, and it is backed by significant science saying this is the future, this is the new standard of care. Cambridge University recently conducted a study on the treatment and the details. Share them. They did, yes. That was a study where they tested men with severe erectile dysfunction. Every single guy uh, received an increase in blood flow. Also, the Cleveland Clinic just recently, that's the biggest hospital in America, said significant and clinical increase to blood flow. Uh, This is so cool, and the science is so sound. And as always, you've got a special offer for the listeners. We do. Uh, We are answering phones this early. If you're ready to treat the root cause problem of your ED, we have got a ton of value. The assessment exam and blood flow ultrasound is free. You get that gift, very popular, produces immediate results in the bedroom. And if you're like so many that feel like you've got a need for testosterone, the blood work and the actual testosterone is free to our patients today as well. Guys, you can call Wasatch Medical right now. Claim that offer at 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. Call Andrew right now at the Wasatch Medical Clinic at 801-901-8000. Andrew, thanks a lot. Thank you. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. It's back-to-back Mountain West Conference opponents for the Cougars as they welcome in Boise State to LaBelle Edwards Stadium for a showdown against the Broncos. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday at 1230 with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hot Takes or Toast is brought to you by Utah Facial Plastics. Losing your hair, it's 2021, and you don't have to. UFP Hair Restoration offers a range of cutting-edge therapies to restore thick hair permanently. Just text HAIR to 801-960-3137 for 15% off any hair loss treatment or visit www.utahairmd.com. Today's question. The annual survey of NBA general managers has the Jazz finishing second behind the Lakers, the old men of the West. What do you think? (laughs) Wes says they're always going to pick the Lakers and sometimes it doesn't make sense but that's the national media for you PK I'm just running my hands through my thick hair nice thank you God one of many so kind the national media didn't do this I know our listeners are just these reflex responses the NBA general managers. Do you completely trust the GMs? Any chance they'd just be heaping pressure on the Lakers? Here, you're trying to tamper with all our guys. Let's pick you and put the expectations on you. Everyone has an agenda. Right. Is this the NBA GM's agenda? I, don't, I can't answer that. Yeah. I want it to be. I don't know if it's true or not, but I'd like it to be true. I think they look at rosters on paper. There's no way 
Lakers are going to finish with the best record. There's simply no way. Between injuries and resting guys. Those are the two major factors. Right. Yes. I mean, and we can throw in earthquakes and other things too. <laughs> earthquakes cost the Lakers two games. <laughs> I don't see it. Those are the two most significant factors, obviously. And would there be a push for that? I don't think so. I mean, you have a team that expects to win the title. Home court is not entirely irrelevant, but I don't think it's the highest priority. If you expect and believe that you can win the title, then it simply does not matter where you play. If you're that good. MJ's time, did he worry about it? Now, those guys just played. Statues just played. It's what you did. It's amazing that those guys could do it. And these guys don't. With all the advancements of training and nutrition and on and on and on, you got 87 guys on a staff, the performance and mental health and this and that, all Mm -hmm. these things. But somehow now they need to be babied, whereas before, suck it up, son. Suck it up. Power (laughs) through it. And they did. Uh, So I can't say that MJ was all focused on getting home court because he just played. And they... That was the byproduct of him and his team being very good was getting that because that's what those guys did then. Here you don't do it as much. And maybe it's you can extend the careers longer, and that's great. If that's a, a byproduct, I think we win. For myself, not being a fan of particular teams, the more I can see LeBron James play the game, the more I'm going to be entertained. And so if the load management allows him to play at a higher level later, I'm all for it. So I'm not criticizing necessarily because I don't pay to go to games anyway. So I'm not going to set aside 250 bucks and go to one game and he's not there. <laughs> and he, he's not playing. That doesn't bother me. Uh, so, But I get for the folks who do how very much that would bother you. I understand that 100%. You know, the old letter carrier thinks somebody from Idaho is coming down to see me play. And that's why they're coming down, so I'm going to come out and play. I respect that, too, immensely. There's that, and that hasn't changed. And then on top of that, uh, people are paying a lot of money to see them on TV. I mean, games aren't, games aren't over the air for free anymore. And we've heard over and over that there are people who won't cut the cord because they want to watch live sports. So they're paying, too. Yeah, and but it then sucks. they'll be on the next night. Right, but it still sucks to have a big game and uh, you turn it on and the stars Then I go on to another game. <laughs> And I can live with that. That's not because I don't pay my television bill exclusively for LeBron James. So there's something else that I could watch. I could turn on whatever because no, you're paying be for live sports on. and you're paying for college football and and right, there's always line. something on. And as <laughs> as we get into the heart of the winter, there's probably a college game. And in two years. I'm going to be watching a lot more, well, not a lot more, but I'm going to have a lot more interest in watching college basketball when BYU's playing in the Big 12. I'm watching when they play Portland because I have to. I feel obligated to do it. So it's not like I'm going to watch more, but I'm going to have more interest and more excitement to see big-time college basketball, which what the Cougars are about to go into. And hopefully Craig Smith can get it done here uh, with the uh, Utes, and we've got the same, and we'll see what Odom does North and all that stuff, and then we'll watch the 
Big Sky Tournament to see if Randy Ray can do it and, and Mark Manson can do it in the WAC. Did I cover everybody? Trying to get my TV career back going, so I make sure I'm I'm good to everybody. Nice, (laughs) well played. (laughs) Spread the love, baby. I love you all. (laughs) Why pick the Lakers when you know AD almost never plays seventy games? He has twice in his career. It's been a minute. Yeah, well, they both contract years? <laughs> uh, probably not. They were back-to-back. Back. Rookie year? 23 and 24 years old. It would have been his fifth and sixth years in the league. Yeah, he's at, he's at injury issues. You know, I don't think that he's over there ducking it. I, I Maybe I'm wrong on this, but I think players want to play. You know, musicians want to play. It's where you see these guys in their 60s and 70s still out there doing their thing. It's just what they do. It's their identity. It's what brings them joy. And I would think it would be the same thing. So I'm not going to sit over here and say Anthony Davis is dogging it. Uh, But nevertheless, he's been injury prone. I don't think you can argue that. So with those factors in mind, and then you got other guys who are older too. You, you got so many older guys this year uh, that I have a hard time expecting them to – compete enough to get the number one seed. Plus, two, when you get older, as LeBron has shown, when you do have an injury, it takes a little longer, it seems, to come back. So you factor all those things into it, and I don't see how there's any way they could pick the Lakers ahead of us. I'm going to go lock now. I'm just going we all the time. <laughs> nice. It's <laughs> violating everything you ever believed. Oh, everything's been violated a thousand times I know, over these days. But you are the last line of defense. No, they call me the big violator. <laughs> That's not right. <laughs> when it comes to journalistic integrity. <laughs> so, I wouldn't have picked them. On paper, they very well could have uh, the best team. It's very intriguing to me because Westbrook is a big-time wild card you know, what do you do with him? How does he fit in? I think when you get in your 30s, especially for him, I think he'll make every opportunity and do everything that is necessary to fit in for a couple of reasons. Because he's older now. He hasn't won. He knows LeBron is top dog. Plus, he's going home. You know, he grew up down the road a little bit. He uh, Minutes from Staples Center there. Uh in Hawthorne, very, very close. So he he knows all about the Lakers. And I think that maybe I'm off, but I think going to your hometown team, you know, what, what do you need? Do you need to average a triple-double? You already did that. Do you need more All-Stars? You've already done that. You need more money? You probably got you probably can't spend all the money you're gonna you've made. It's about winning. So I think he's going to try to blend as much as possible, but nevertheless. Does his skill set match? Because if they're popping it back out to him as a stand-up shooter, you want Bogdanovich or, or Joe or Westbrook? Now, he's a way better athlete than both of those guys, but who do you want in that situation? In transition, you're all about Westbrook. But his defender is going to play well off him and clog up driving lanes for other guys. Just try to stay between him and the hoop. And you can play off him a couple steps if you need to. So I got to admit, these Laker moves has piqued my curiosity. I have no curiosity on LeBron James. He's a proven commodity. He's awesome. But these other guys, and really Anthony Davis is awesome too, but the other guys, how are they going to fit in? You know, I think that he'll be, Westbrook will be like Carmelo. 
At this point, I don't expect Carmelo to just be pounding it into the hardwood 20 times in a row, waiting to finally take a jump shot. And it gets to the shot clock, gets to the point where everybody knows, well, it's too late to pass, so I got to shoot. I would think those days are over for him. Taylor tweets at us, David Locke has sold me on the Lakers being so bad offensively in the half court. They'll need to be really locked in on defense to make up for it. Not saying they can't do that in the playoffs. There's no way that roster can do it over an 82-game regular season. Well, they would take it. Yeah, I'm not so sure that I buy into all that. I think some of that is speaking from the heart and not wanting the I hate the freaking Lakers. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to get the drop, Yak. I'll do it for you. So... Yeah. And they've got so many new guys. What's Vogel going to do, and how's he going to piece them? I can't say that I know. Ryan says, I'm not sure about the Jazz, but the Lakers will not be number one. Well, there's no reason for the Jazz not to be number one, but at the same time, they proved, well, that mattered squat. Got them beat by the Clippers. Yeah. A Kawhi Leonard-less Clipper team. How about the Suns for number one? That's a possibility. Why wouldn't it be a possibility? They went to the finals and they finished the game short. Right. Right? So, sure. Yeah, you can see that. The nucleus of their team is young enough. Obviously, Chris Paul isn't, but everybody else is. Right? Oh, they got uh, JaVale McGee. I don't know what kind of role he's going to play because uh, I think Sarge is still on the team. I could double-check that. I don't think they lost him. Uh, he got hurt last year, um, which was a blow for them because he filled a role. Uh, so uh, most of that team is still in their 20s. Bridges, Aiton, Booker uh, picked up the Schmidt. Not a bad uh, you know role player to have on your team. So, yeah, I would think that they have – why wouldn't they have a legitimate opportunity? They have a lot to prove, too. You know, they caught a, sort of caught lightning in a bottle, so to speak, now. But uh, what can you do next year, this year? Because last year was great, but that's just what it was last year. Casey believes only the Suns have a shot at number one ahead of the Jazz. I wouldn't say only, but I like his argument. And why are we dismissing the Clippers? They sort of did okay without Kawhi. They did, but they think that's why we're dismissing the Clippers. Well, Benny, he's going to miss 20-some games even when he's healthy. (laughs) True story. He looks at AD and says, you play a lot. Cal Ripken isn't walking through that door. So, you have to factor what... Actually, he's going to miss half of the games that he would already miss. What I mean by that, which didn't make any sense, I know that. Good, because I'm still trying to pull that apart. <laughs> Say he missed half the season. So, just 40 as a round number, right? Okay, so you're saying well, he's, he's going to miss 20 16, yeah. even if he was available for 82. Yes. So, if you look at it, and I just use 40 as a round number. So, they only have to play 20 games without him anyway, because they'd already be playing 20 games without him. And, well, the only issue with your math there, which actually your math might be better than your English, that's, that's frightening. If he comes back midway through the season, will he actually play 40 games? I don't know. I don't know right. what he's going to do. There's a lot of question marks. And will he be back for 50, with their 50, 40, or 30 on the schedule? And then how many of those that are still on the schedule will he play? I suppose there is an argument to be made that he was nursing the knee along. Did he have a partial tear, some kind of structural damage before this happened? And that was an odd way to tear an ACL. It kind of suggests there was something going on in there already. 
Yeah, it wasn't much of a contact. No, it's barely any at all. I think Joe bumped him. Yeah, so, but I like the fact that these guys should have a big-time chip on their shoulder. Everybody's writing them off, right? We sort of wrote them off when we heard Leonard went down. And that was a mistake? Then they won the series anyway. Who's the dude who hit like 87 threes? I already forgot his name. Terrence Mann. Yeah. I'm going to forget that name. That's of all the names in the NBA. I would expect you to remember that. No, it's nightmarish. <laughs> I realize it's a field dreams of field, so I yes. know what you're doing there. But no, I was no. Say that's I, I crossed that out of my mind in the way that Calvin Booth is an arch enemy of mine. Oh, Ooh. Calvin Booth. Old school right there. Yeah, let's forget that one too. Yeah. These no-name dudes. I think Calvin is Booth, it? is he a GM somewhere? Nuggets? He's working for them? Heck of a layup by him. Uh, against Dallas, uh, when he was with Dallas, Calvin mm-hmm. Booth. Oh, man. It's a heartbreak. Took me five minutes to get over that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, it didn't because I was working for the Watchdog then, and my assignment was to trail Mark Cuban around. And uh, I had put on my running shoes, man. He didn't know what to do with himself. It was so fun. Uh, I just followed. If he went in the locker room, I went in there. Then he went back out because everybody was still outside. And then he's celebrating. He's hugging Steve Nash and blah, 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 blah. So just, anyway, at that point, he was extremely accessible because I used to do NBA stuff for the watchdog. And I'd email him and he'd just respond. Hey, Mark, uh, what do you think about this? Boom, he'd give you a response. <laughs> I don't know if he still does because I don't do that. But in the younger that was when he was running out on the court and he was doing stupid stuff. He was warming up himself. Before the players warmed up. You need a TV interview. You just went over there with your photographer. Hey, Mark, can I uh, talk to you in between shows? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he loved me. Very, very smeedy savvy, obviously, and that turned him into a billionaire. Good for him. Uh, so I forgot Terrence Mann's name on purpose. Uh, so it, I don't want to count anybody out. Jared is. If, and it's a big if, the Lakers can gel and stay healthy, they are the best team. There's a 5%, there's like a 5% chance of that happening, which means there's a 95% chance that the Jazz are the best team in the West. Hashtag take note. That's dismissing everybody else in the West way too easily. Uh, not necessarily. Not if you looked at it and you've come to the conclusion that this is the best team. If you flippantly say it, sure. But if you've come to the conclusion and you've analyzed rosters and you're accounting for improvement, scary to say, but Donovan Mitchell can get better. He's already elite, but he can get better. Hey, and we got Jared Butler, man. (laughs) I see what you're doing. I'm in love with Jared Butler. You're not alone. Oh, my gosh. Jared Butler? I can't believe he fell to us. We had him much higher. I had him top five. Can't wait for your next big board. He's Jared friggin' Butler. I hope he lights it up. That would be awesome. Get a fine. There's been fines in the second round. It's not like he would be the first one by any stretch. Absolutely not. Right? Isaiah Thomas, the second Isaiah Thomas, was literally the last guy drafted at number 60. Paul Millsap? Jazz fans love to cite Paul Millsap at 47. um, But I would go Nikola Jokic. Oh, yeah, Nikola Jokic. (laughs) Yeah, the MVP. MVP. Yeah, so I don't need to go very far at all. 
Coming up this morning, we got Riley Jensen, our college football insider, joining us in about 15 minutes. Ryan Abraham, uscfootball.com, publisher and host of the podcast of Champions, will join us at 8.30. And Hannah Storm, Amazon Prime Thursday night football announcer, longtime sports media host, will join us at 9 o'clock. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Time to chat with Max Tooley. Give us a story or two about your mission. Something that was unique about my mission was I was assigned to speak Mandarin on my mission. Wow. So, yeah, it was quite the, you know, the tall order. Got to serve in different areas where, uh, you know, where specific, you know, Chinese students would be. I loved my mission. That Mandarin's going to serve you well down the line for sure. There's <laughs> yeah. no doubt about that. We appreciate your time and thanks for joining us. Hey, uh, uh, Max, why Oh, why me? Yeah. All right, man. I'll see you later. I know a little Mandarin. Look at you. Oh, you okay. just Googled that. No, I did not. I know Waini means I love you. Because... You just told Max Tooley I love you? Yeah, well, yeah, now that I think about it, I did. That's a little awkward. He said it back, though. Oh, this is uncomfortable. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Football Friday is presented by Stonehaven Dental. At Stonehaven Dental, they say yes. Yes to free exams and x-rays for new patients and flexible appointments. Yes to great dental care. Visit StonehavenDental.com to schedule an appointment. Got more people weighing in. The Jazz, the Lakers. Lakers one in the West. Jazz number two, according to a survey of 30 NBA general managers, people are mocking the Lakers' age. Mike says if they if the Jazz were to bring Sleepy Floyd out of retirement, they'd win it all this year. Aaron says the Lakers have announced the free agent signing of Robert Parrish, thus lowering the average age of the team by four years. Comedy. Mocking. Where's the comedy? It's kind of hidden deep in there. Okay. Mike says the big the regular season's a big fat nothing burger, especially since I won't see any regular season games this year. I assume Mike is complaining about Dish and AT&T Sportsnet. I don't know about that. Get to see a few games on ESPN and TNT. They've announced that. I don't know how all that stuff works. If you want to see the games and you can't, I grieve for you. Especially older people who look forward to that because they can't get in and get out. They have to stay in, I mean, and so I've said that a million times. They can't have access. It's just a, it's a shame because I know that they look forward to it and to not have it. This is very sad for them. Uh, I've got it, so if I didn't have it, I'd go get it. Uh, but not everybody has that option. Yeah, it sucks for them, and I don't, I don't take it lightly. Joseph says, the NBA GMs think that, and what do I think? What do I think? I think they're wrong. Okay. Well, probably, because predicting what's going to happen 82 games from now with a trade deadline, and then uh, the mini little free agency is the buyout market, plus injuries. A lot of wild the cards are the out big there. Thing. I don't see where the Lakers are going to have much uh, to do in that other area. I think they're set. So I think that for them... Achieving the number one record would be something very difficult because they'd have to go all out, most likely. I don't think they're that much better 
to where they don't have to go all out. I'm not convinced, I don't think most folks are, that they would be all in it to get the number one seed. And if that's required, then that sort of eliminates them. Uh, I, the point I'm making here is I don't, I don't know, I don't think, I have to see their roster because they had so many changes, but I don't know that their roster is good enough to where they could simultaneously pace themselves, load manage themselves, and still get the number one record. That's think, a big ask. I think it would have to be a commitment to get the number one record. I don't think, like the Warriors, when they were on the top a few years back, they could have done both because they were just that much better than everybody else if they wanted. And I don't see that with this team. Christopher says, well, you just need to look at the GM's predictions from last year. Last year, they picked Utah 6 and Phoenix 8, and they finished 1-2. And Phoenix went to the finals. Okay, but how about the year before? I mean, you just... I can check that. He said last year. <laughs> right, last so year. that last year might have been an, an off year for predictions. It's like the media poll in the Pac-12. Some, Some years, years you get it. Yeah. Some years you don't. I would look at like a 10-year run to see rather than just a select of one year because go back the year before and maybe they got it right on. I don't know. I would want to see more evidence rather than selectively choosing a year in which they did not, it did not work. My guess is they would have picked the Lakers last year. And let's see, the Anthony Davis, was that the year before he wasn't on the team, so... They didn't even make the playoffs, right? That's another story. 2020, when the Lakers won in the bubble, the Clippers were picked one, Denver two, Lakers three. Right. But the year before, before they had Anthony Davis, his first year with the Lakers, LeBron, they didn't make the postseason, right? Because he had the injury. Uh, 2019, they had the Warriors won and the Celtics yeah, won. Yeah, well, obviously, if you're going to go back into the Warriors, then you're going to get you're going to get that right. <laughs> you're going to get that right. It's like picking Alabama. Good call. Yeah, right. So you're going to. That's an easy pick at that point. They had a ton of talent, especially when when Durant came aboard. Obviously. All right. Well, there's a lot of hoops for you. We're going to shift gears. We got football coming up. Riley Jensen, our college football insider, is next, and he's followed by Ryan Abraham, uscfootball.com. USC, alternating wins and losses, having won back-to-back games, having lost back-to-back games. They are 3-2. and two. As they get ready to host the youth, we'll talk with Ryan next. Right now, we are joined by Andrew Reinhardt from the Wasatch Medical Clinic. And Andrew, the lingering question, why are men so hesitant to get their ED taken care of? Well, it's a significant problem out there, so many suffering, more than we know. And you're right, there's a stigma around this. There's some men that, this is kind of crazy to think, would almost rather suffer with ED than go in, take a pill, have an awkward conversation at the pharmacy. Uh, I think those days are over, and Wasatch Medical takes all the negatives out of treating ED. It takes a few short 10-minute sessions with our acoustic wave therapy, backed by 50 studies it opens up and regrows blood vessels so that you don't need to take the pill. You don't need to go to the pharmacy. The blood flows like it once did in a man's younger years. So what kind of patient results are you hearing about when you talk to folks? Well, generally, I think it's a stress reliever. 
basically a man takes a pill, doesn't know if it will work, when it will work, uh, when the timing is going to be, uh, and that stress probably adds to the erectile dysfunction. So when that's eliminated, the intimacy comes back. I think it's tied to overall happiness, and that is a lot of the feedback we hear. So you've got a special deal for people who call right now. Loads of value today, yes. If you're ready to treat the root cause of your ED, uh, get the intimacy back. Call us now this morning. The assessment exam and blood flow ultrasound is free. You get the gift, worth the trip, uh, produces immediate results in the bedroom. And if you feel like you have the need, complete blood work and testosterone, really valuable. That is free today as well. Guys, you can call right now, Wasatch Medical, 801-901-8000. Mention you heard Andrew on The Zone. Get that deal at 801-901-8000. That's 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to welcome in Riley Jensen, college football insider. He is on the Smart Rain guest line. Utah will be in a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows that 2022 budget planning for most businesses is coming soon. Take advantage of their Save Now, Pay Later promotion and do your part by saving water while saving money. Check out Best of State Award winner Smart Rain at smartrain.net. Riley, good morning. What's up, you sorry dudes? I'm sorry. (laughs) We got big football games. Teams, opponents that draw an emotional reaction. Utah playing USC, BYU playing Boise State. The Broncos are 2-3, and three, which is very unusual. The Cougars may have to play their third-string quarterback again. He's got two entire quarters of college football experience. But the Broncos struggle to run the ball and struggle to stop the run. Analyze this one, big guy. Well, I, I can tell you this. Um, having having a chance to watch Utah State and BYU play in person on Friday night, um, a couple of things that were that just really stood out as far as BYU goes. Um, Baylor Romney has one of the best deep balls that I've seen in college football in a long time. Unbelievable patience, plays quarterback the way that I love quarterbacks to play it. Meaning he he doesn't. He doesn't overcomplicate it. He takes what what the defense gives him. I thought he was really good. I thought it was unfortunate that that he got knocked out of the game because I thought he was playing such an amazing game. Um, and then when 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 they brought in the rookie, when they brought in the freshman, um, there was definitely some nerves. And so if if he has to play this week, um, I think that's I think those two quarters are gonna are, are gonna be really really important for him. I also think that the week of practice is going to be really good for him. And then the other thing that stood out in the BYU game is as impressive as I thought Algier has been, just watching him on TV in person, that guy's a man. And watching him take some of the hits that he took in the Utah State game, he doesn't even get up and limp at all. There's there, he, He's in great shape. He's just a brick to tackle. And um, obviously he gave Utah State everything that they could handle, and I think he's going to give teams everything that they can handle going forward. It's very few times that we see a running back in college now that can be the, 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 the every down back. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He, he can run it on first down, second down, and third down. And 
take that kind of abuse and just be ready to go the next week. It's it's really quite impressive how good he is um, in person. It's it's more than what you see on TV. So I think Conover gets the nod. With that in mind, what type of game plan do you think A Rod devises? Well, I think I think he's got a he's got a plan. A lot of like, and one of the things I I thought A Rod called one of his best games on Friday night. I, I love he has a whole bunch of different. Um, a different, a different twist and a different look to these, these new screen passes where it looks like the receiver's running like an arrow route, but he's running behind the line of scrimmage, and then they have the wide receivers like blocking downfield for him. And he he he's got to get a few of those for Conover. He's got to he's got to get him some completions early before they throw the ball downfield. And I think I mean if there's anything that we know about a rod up till now is these quarterbacks will be prepared for the games that they play in. And, and so far so good. I mean, the, the quarterbacks have played good with the exception of, I thought Conover struggled in the third quarter, got a little bit better in the fourth quarter, but not quite the level that they need, but he'll have them, he'll have them ready for Boise state. And you're just going to get a steady dose of Tyler Algier against Boise state, the way they struggle against the run. He's going to pound the rock. He's going to set that up. Give Conover some play action passes, and and I think BYU wins this game even even with the rookie, even with the rookie starting at quarterback. A third straight year of third string quarterbacks starting in this game. Does this does any of this ever sink in and slow down the transfer portal, or that's just not how nineteen year olds are wired? So never mind. Well. I mean, I have a little bit of experience with this, right? Like, I transferred, I transferred from BYU, and I was in a battle with 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 Federick and Shoemaker when I was playing at BYU, and um, Federick ended up winning the job and getting hurt. Shoemaker by the by by the midseason, Shoemaker was out, and they had Drew Miller starting, and you just, it's really hard to be that. Uh, mature and that forward thinking as a 19-year-old. I, I, I just don't know, especially in the quarterback position where it is so competitive just to get a college scholarship and it's so competitive that you want to play when you do get to where you go. I, I just don't I, don't, I don't think it's going to slow down anything in the portal. However, if, if, you can, if you can be smart about things and if you can think things through, um, you're going to get your shot. It's just whether it's whether you're ready for your shot or not um, that, that matters, right? Yeah, and at the same time, and for Boise, Sears wasn't getting his shot in at, in, at SC, so he got a shot in in Boise, so he played. Right. So sometimes it works. I mean, no, I know the theory I, being listen, stick around. And listen, I played at Utah State. I mean, it. it it's not always terrible, but it's not always ideal. I mean, look, I mean, I say this all the time. I mean, very few of us are first-round draft picks, right? Most of us are sixth, seventh-round free agents. I'm not even sure that I was, you know, a first-round draft pick for my wife, but it's what you do with your chance, right? And so you just got to be ready. And and sometimes you transfer, sometimes you don't. My, my thought is – when I when I talk to quarterbacks that are getting recruited, I'm like, go to a school that if the coaches got fired, if nothing worked out for you, that you'd still like to go to the school, like you'd still like going to school there. And if that's if that's the case, then then you're going to be able to be resilient and be able to make it through a lot of different scenarios um, wherever you go. 
right? Yeah, I don't know that a third did. It is the third year in a row that uh, three third team guys started. Didn't Sears start last year, and then got hurt, and then Finnegan came in. So not started, played right. Right. So I mean, look, this is true at every single school. Like I, I mean, I was thinking about tweeting something out the other day just about all these second-string quarterbacks around uh, around the state of Utah that have played well. I mean, you got Romney, you got Peasley at Utah State. Um, obviously, at the University of Utah, he was the second-string guy to start out with, with Cam Rising, right? And all of these guys are ready, and I think it's impressive the mindset that some of these second-string quarterbacks have had recently to come in and play well when their number's called. I mean, there was, there was a point where Peasley at Utah State comes in and goes 8 eight of 9 for like 98 yards against Air Force and and has a big run and, and helps Utah State beat Air Force. So the, the, the mentality of a quarterback right now has got to be a little bit different than what it was, but I, I just think it's hard to, to tell an 18, 19, 20-year-old that when, when all of their hopes and dreams are based on whether they play or not, and typically a second-string quarterback doesn't play in a game unless there is an injury. So USC is 3-2, and 2-2 two, two and two in conference. They are all over the map. Um, do you think it's really SC all over the map, or maybe Oregon State's way better than we expected, and Stanford's a little better than we expected, certainly after we saw them week one? And so we're just seeing USC is a mediocre team, and they've beaten bad teams and lost to good teams. Yeah, I kind of, I, that's that's what I feel like. I, I don't know how you keep everything together with USC right now. I mean, when you fire a coach that early in the season, it's really, really hard for an interim coach to keep everybody happy and to keep everybody playing hard and 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 do what they need to do to win. Now, you know, they ran the ball a little bit better last week. They did. They, they did some things that maybe they haven't done in other games. Um, you know, Jackson Dart is is still hurt. He's still, you know, nursing that knee. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen when he comes back. Um, you know, obviously Slovis played a little bit better He's last week. He's practicing now. Dart is. He, uh, he did return to practice. Yeah, yeah. The- it's like it's it's like ginger. It's it, it's very very light snaps. I, right. I would guess that it's two it's two weeks three weeks before yeah. he could be considered for play. Right. So you're you're looking at you're looking at a few different weeks, and I, and I don't even know that that's the way that they want to move. And I don't even know. I mean, personally, if I'm Jackson Dart. Do I want to waste this year on a on a year where there's no head coach? Do I want to? Do I? How many games do I really want to play in? Maybe maybe you nurse that thing until there's only three games left in the season, and then that way, if you play three games, you know you, you're still under that four threshold, and it still counts as a redshirt year. I don't I don't know how you do that and how you think about that as a player right now. Um, three and out, he's going to the but, NFL. What are you talking about? Yeah, I'm with PK. Jeez. <laughs> Three games, and you think he's going to NFL? Three years. Do the NFL requires three years out of high school, right? So it doesn't matter if he burns a year of eligibility or not. Exactly. He's going. He's going big time. Fair enough. I'm not. I'm not sure that. I I think he's just more worried about like, hey, I got to get on the field and I got to play well for USC. I think he'll cross that bridge when it comes. But look. USC is going to be all over the place. I think they're dangerous when the University of Utah plays them just because 
they are very athletic. That wide receiver is unbelievable, and I think they can make plays. Uh, it just kind of depends on, on, on which USC team shows up this week and, and whether they're happy or whether they're in a bad mood, whether they're content, whether they're not content. And it's just it seems like there's a lot of wins down there that just kind of decide whether USC is going to play well or not. And I'm looking forward to actually seeing a USC team that's brought some stability and see if that team can't be good again. Because right now it's just – I feel like they're a disappointment every year. I like the psychological act a psychological aspect that coaches play. So if you have a crappy non-conference season, well, we're 0-0. Zero and zero. Now Utah has been saying they're 1-0. and zero, And, uh, you know, there's only two teams in the South that don't have a loss. And there's only, I think, one team in the North yep. that doesn't right. have a loss in conference play, I'm speaking of. So they play these games. And do you think SC might be thinking, hey, we have two but this division is all over, man. You try to figure it out, and it's just impossible. The Bruins look like they could have taken uh, maybe a light stronghold, which is sort of an oxymoron, but then they get beat and basically get run off the field against the Devils on Saturday. So the point being that you can look at it in terms of, hey, 6-3 and three might get it done. And so uh, especially or maybe in 7-2 and two in that – SC can saddle the two teams that have zero losses right now with losses so they could have tiebreakers. You think that's going through their mind and playing that psychological game? Yeah, I mean, look, coaches are going to hold on to whatever psychological game they can play, right? I mean, you, you, have to, you have to play the cards that you're dealt, right? And so when they're, when they're there, that's, that's, that's what you're thinking. That's what you're telling guys. You're going to come up with a good game plan. And then you're going to try and go out there and, and play good football. Now, the Utes have not typically played well down in the Coliseum. Uh, I think that I think that helps USC. I don't know. This just seems like a huge opportunity for the U. But I but I also just I don't feel like all the problems are resolved with the U. I, I, I it's it's really going to be interesting to see what happens, what their reaction is, coming off a of bye week, coming off of death of a teammate. Um, I don't know whether they're going to come out really fast or if they're going to come out flat. I mean, there's really just a lot of variables that are going on right now. You try and control the things that you can control as a coach. But as a former coach, I can tell you that you 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 prepare and you go through scenarios with teams all the time, and then you get to the game, and the exact scenario that you prepared them for happens, and they blow it. I mean, it's it's just – Sometimes it's like mind blowing. You're like, that's exactly what we showed you. That's exactly what we said was going to happen, and then you, you still let it happen. And so, you you try and get these guys to focus as much as possible. There's been a lot of distractions for both of these teams. So I, like you said, I mean, if there's any if there's anything stable about the Pac-12 right now, it's instability. I guess what USC has going for them along those lines is that they've got a bye week and then Notre Dame, so they could be back in the conference race big time, just not playing a conference game for two weeks. I mean, they've already played four. They used to played one, so they'll let everyone else come back to them, I guess. Yeah, I think, I mean, look, it's it's a long season. I when you And I... And I it, it was fun for me to be at the BYU-Utah State game on Friday because I, I just forget how long those games are, right? I mean, that, that was the biggest 
that was the biggest adjustment for me coming out of high school to, to college football is like college football is a considerably longer game and there's a lot of different momentum shifts and you got to be able to weather the different momentum shifts that happen. And it's also a long football season compared to like when you're in high school. And so, you know, you, if you have more veteran guys, they're, they're, you know, when you've got a Covey on your team, when you've got a guy like Nick Ford who's been on the team for a while, they can help They can help younger guys and they can help people to understand like, hey, yeah, we're up 14-3 to right now in the second quarter, but this is a long game. Like, we we got to keep doing what we're supposed to do to, to win this game and we got to keep doing things. And, and you got to – they're also the guys that can keep telling guys like, hey, look, we're 1-0 in conference. This is a long season. We have nine games in conference left. This is what we need to do. And so you hope those guys step forward and, like, they really kind of groom the, the younger guys to help them to know how difficult and how long a college football season is and how long a college game is. I mean, the, the different momentum switches that happen in a game are, are really fascinating to me. You pumped up Algier earlier. Uh, you think he's a surefire pro, and if so, what type of pro? Boy, start. He's starting to feel like it. I mean, when you when you look at pro when you look at pro running backs that that are getting a, a good amount of carries, they look a lot like him, right? Like they they're they're the guys that can. I mean, I don't think any of us look at Algier and go, oh, wow, he's a guy that like you can throw a sweep to and he's going to beat people outside and down the sideline, although he does that from time to time. But he's the guy that can run in between the tackles, and you're, and you're talking about seven yards, six yards, nine yards, four yards. I mean, even some of his two-yard runs were just really impressive because there was nothing there, and he still gets you some yards. I mean, I, it, it seems like it more and more, and I – to be honest with you, I was thinking last year, like, oh, it was a nice season he had. He had 1,200 yards. Like, the schedule wasn't as tough as maybe, you know, maybe some BYU running backs had gone against in the past. But this year he's answered every single question that I have. And I think he has some top-end speed that maybe maybe we hadn't anticipated because, I mean, you just look at him in the Arizona State game when he runs down that linebacker and he knocks the ball out. When he's, when he's breaking some of these long runs, even last year, he has some legitimate speed, and he has that power to run it inside. So I, I feel like he almost fits the pro game better than the college game right now. You see the college game with a lot of these spread option teams like running a lot of sweeps and a lot of speed sweeps and all that kind of stuff. But BYU just lines up and says, hey, we're coming downhill at you, and we're going to lean on you. And it looks more like a pro offense. So I think, I think he translates to the next level. Yeah, maybe a bigger, yeah. uh, bigger Zach Moss? Yeah, I mean – you know, and I don't know how big Zach Moss is. I mean, he, he's taller. I mean, Zach Moss is pretty compact, too. But, I, right. I mean, I see him playing that way, right? Like, I, I mean, and he's not afraid of contact. And he certainly has shown that he's durable over the last two years. Uh, you know, knock on wood and he's saying that, that out loud. But, I mean, he's really good. He, he's really good. I mean, there was there was a lot of fun plays in that Utah State game. And, uh, you know, Devin Tompkins, the wide receiver at Utah State, He's not just a small, fast guy. He's a guy that can he can take the top off. There were three or four passes where he was over the top of BYU's defense, and then he can catch the ball over the middle. I mean, there there were there were some really really good players in that game, and I it's a it's a testament to the coaches around the state of Utah. Man, there there's some fun football going on in this state, and Tyler Algier is right at the top of all the players in this state right now. And what a cool story, right? A walk on 
He was linebacker, then he was running back, then he was linebacker, now he's running back. Man, I, I mean, it's hard not to, to wish good things on him. And everything that his teammates say is that he's a super hard worker, super humble, good guy. And that's all we can go on right now. It seems like this is a great story. Riley, we appreciate it as always. Thanks for joining us. You're the man. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Riley Jensen, our college football insider. Coming up next, Ryan Abraham, uscfootball.com, with the Utes headed to the Coliseum for a game Saturday at 6 o'clock. Right now, we're joined by Andrew Reinhardt, Wasatch Medical Clinic. And Andrew, for guys who are looking for an answer for ED, uh, the pill is a common answer. So why are guys stopping that and coming to you? Well, I would say if you're out there loving the pill, no side effects, it works perfectly, I'd keep doing it. But if you're experiencing some erectile dysfunction, if you don't want to take the pill or you're experiencing side effects, this technology at Wasatch Medical, I think it's a major medical advancement. It's backed by 50 studies, including the Cleveland Clinic now, showing clinical and significant increases in blood flow. That's their words. This repairs blood vessels with pressure waves, gets the blood flowing in the bedroom where you want it, when you want it, and has been shown to reverse the ED and get the spontaneity restored. So what are the top causes of ED? Well, we see a lot of things. I would say diabetes, prostate issues, maybe some injuries, but also this is more common than we think. Uh, Healthy guys, we treat men in their 20s, 30s, and 40s that maybe want to top off their drink, so to speak, in the bedroom. And we treat men in their 80s and 90s with severe erectile dysfunction. And we've seen success in all of those categories. And you got a special offer for our listeners. We do. So much value this morning. If you're ready to regain your love life, give us a call. You'll meet with our MD free. He'll do an assessment and a blood flow ultrasound. That's no charge. The gift, uh, I don't think I've ever seen it fail. It produces immediate results in the bedroom. No charge for that. And if you're like so many that feel like you're a little lethargic, the complete blood work and testosterone is free today as well. You can call right now. Get that special offer at 801-901-8000. Tell them you heard Andrew on the zone. 801-901-8000. Wasatch Medical at 801-901-8000. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Time to chat with Max Tooley. Give us a story or two about your mission. Something that was unique about my mission was I was assigned to speak Mandarin on my mission. So, yeah, it was quite the, you know, the tall order. Got to serve in different areas where, uh, you know, where specific, you know, Chinese students would be. I loved my mission. That Mandarin's going to serve you well down the line for sure. (laughs) Yeah. About that. We appreciate your time and thanks for joining us. Hey, uh, Max, why Hawaii, huh? Yeah. All right, man. I'll see you later. I know a little Mandarin. Look at you. You okay. just Googled that. No, I did not. I know Hawaii means I love you. Because... You just told Max Tooley I love you? Yeah, well, yeah, now that I think about it, I did. That's a little awkward. He said it back, though. Oh, this is uncomfortable. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by Ryan Abraham, uscfootball.com publisher and host of the podcast of Champions. 
He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Utah will be in a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows that 2022 budget planning for most businesses is coming soon. Take advantage of their Save Now, Pay Later promotion and do your part by saving water while saving money. Check out Best of State Award winner Smart Rain at smartrain.net. Ryan, good morning. Welcome back into the show. Good morning. Uh, I'm trying to figure out this Pac-12 football season. I, I don't know what I'm seeing each week, but it seems <laughs> pretty crazy, which I guess kind of makes sense. It's on brand for our conference here. Ryan, when it rains in L.A. in October, you know it's a screwy year. It's so weird. We're here, and it's like, you know, you're getting ready for this, uh, you know, football game, uh, Raiders and Chargers at SoFi Stadium, and they're, like, delaying it in an indoor stadium. We're looking outside. We didn't hear anything about thunder and lightning, and it's, like, pouring outside, and, like, it was crazy. Yeah, so weird things are going on here in uh, L.A. and in the Pac-12 in general. So I'm curious what you think of a 3-2 and two USC football team. Is it as simple as they're kind of mediocre and they've lost to two pretty good teams and beaten three teams that aren't nearly as good? Do you think their play is varying week to week? What's going on? Yeah, I think all of those things. Uh, I mean, Stanford definitely better than I thought they'd be this season. Oregon State looks, you know, legit. Um, you know, but they those are teams that you could lose to but not really get blown out at home. That didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And they looked, you know, very confident against Washington State and Colorado and, and you know San Jose State, but you know, I don't know how good any of those teams are. So it's to me, it's just still so much up in the air. I think once you fire a head coach after two games, you had an interim. We've seen this at USC many times over the years. So you see an interim kind of take over. There's going to be some ups and downs. There's going to be some things that everyone likes. They do better. I think the whole discipline thing early on. I mean, they only had five penalties in that first game against Washington State, and Dante Williams was like, "Hey, that's five too many." Well, they've had significantly more than that the last couple of games. And I think, you know, the preaching, the new culture and discipline and all that is nice, but is it going to be able to stick? And asking an interim head coach to kind of keep a team together for at least 10 games, uh, that's a pretty big ask. So I I think this is just going to be sort of a grab bag season for USC. they got some really talented players, but I don't know. From week to week, I guess it's going to be like a box of chocolates. You're just not going to share what you're going to get. Yeah, I think you can say that if you want to go big picture. It's very accurate, obviously, when you just look at their performances. And I think almost symbolic of that, if not in fact symbolic, is the play of Slovis because he's been up and down. And I'm not sure where to go with him because I thought that he was on his way to being an NFL guy and a top draft pick. Now I'm not so sure. What do you see? Yeah, that first year, 2019, uh, when when Graham Harrell's offense came in, he just looked uh, amazing coming off the bench, you know, after JT Daniels uh, goes down with the injury. And, you know, last year, 2020, was a weird year. We talked about his mechanics not being great. I think for the, in general, he's thrown the ball a lot better uh, this year than he had than he did last year. Just the ball coming off his hands. For the most part, it looks like you know, a much more competent thrower of the football. I think not having guys like Amon Ross St. Brown and Tyler Vaughn's as security blankets out there has hurt a little bit. And he's trying to figure out who that next number two guy is going to be. You know, Drake London is amazing. Probably, you know, maybe the best player in the Pac-12, just football player. Uh, this kind of catches he's made are out, uh, you know, otherworldly. He's just been amazing. But you're looking for who's that number two guy. We've seen Gary Bryant Jr., you know, catch touchdowns the last three games. Michael Trigg came on. He's got his first touchdown as a true freshman. But I don't feel like outside of uh, Drake London, he knows who that next guy is going to be and maybe, you know, has the trust to be able to get off of London if he's got three guys on him and then and just find his next read and, and let the ball fly. So I think that's part of what's going on. But 
Um, whenever you have Drake London to throw to, I think any of us could have been a, a decent quarterback. So we'll see if Slovis can kind of take that next step. But he still hasn't looked like he did when we saw him as a freshman in 2019. So you're good at this. You jumped my next question off PK's question. You answered two at one, getting into the whole issue at receiver. Uh, and we have talked about London without you here, and we've both been blown away by what he's done. But that makes me think that Kyle Whittingham – and uh, the defensive coaches are just going to double him. He'll be bracketed wherever he goes. Can anyone else beat one-on-one coverage and make multiple big plays? I mean, Taj Washington's yeah, I mean, I the think, next receiver, but he's got one touchdown in five games. Right. Yeah. No. Exactly. And I think uh, you know he, that was the first game too. And um, he's I like Taj Washington a lot. The transfer from Memphis. He was a freshman All-American. Uh, just watching his feet, uh, I think you need to use him a little bit different ways. Like they they threw like a fade to him in the first game against San Jose State and caught a touchdown, but he's five eleven. Like he's not someone that uh, you're trying to throw over the top to. I think you want to catch him on a post or something, get him in space, and then let him run uh, after the catch. I think that's where he's going to be the most effective. Gary Bryant Jr. is like I mentioned, he's been uh, you know he's been catching touchdowns. Uh, he had the big one. Um, you know, a couple games ago when, you know, Jackson Dart came into the game and it just kind of uh, generated that rally against Washington State. It was his, you know, touchdown over the middle that sort of sparked the whole Trojan football team. And I think he's someone that has that capability. But I'm curious to see what Utah does because we saw a couple years ago in the Coliseum against Matt Fink, the backup quarterback, they played a lot of man. And that's something that USC's great receivers have been able to burn them. But now, if you can play man, but you're doubling up, uh, or you know, getting extra help over on Drake London. Now he's still capable of making those catches. We've seen him throw up in the triple coverage and come down with the ball because he's just ridiculous that way. But I feel like there's more opportunities there to maybe play man and and make someone like a Gary Bryant or or a Taj Washington or a Michael Trigg out of tight end position beat you because it's they've seen some flashes there, but not you know there's not proven uh, production coming out of those spots outside. Uh, like you mentioned, Drake London. That's proven production, but the other guys, I think they're sort of a you know wait and see mode to see who is the one that steps up and and becomes like the Robin to his Batman. Had a running game with Ingram going over a hundred against Colorado, the Texas transfer. Is there something there that can be sustained, or is that just Colorado? Uh, yeah, I think it's. I mean, Colorado's usually pretty good defensively, and uh, USC ran all over them. Um, and it was, uh, I think, it was encouraging because they, you know. Washington State wasn't that great against the run, and USC struggled the last two years you know, running the ball there. They wanted to do like a one-two punch, uh, a 1A, 1B uh, with Ingram and uh, Vavai Malpei, but they also have another transfer. Ingram's transfer from Texas. Uh, Darwin Barlow came on the scene last week, too, and I've liked what I've seen from him in camp. He's a TCU transfer, so a couple of Texas guys, and they got the, the bulk of the, the work there. So Barlow sort of worked his way into this two-man rotation that with Vavai in there as well, but he got he had much more production, even though Vavai got the only touchdown on the ground last week. So I'm curious to see how they use that. They they wanted to get away from a committee, but I think it's got. You're probably going to see those three guys uh, running the football. But I think Ingram's kind of made it clear that he's the the guy. He's the number one uh, threat out there. He just can do a lot, and I think if you know they can get him involved in the passing game. Um, and we'll see. I, they haven't run a lot uh, between the tackles. They kind of line up in a pistol sometime and then uh, bring it over to a shotgun, and they do a lot of wide runs out of that. But um, I think you might see a little bit more of that, too, just depending on how that interior of the USC offensive line plays. But Ingram's the guy, and I think he can be effective against 
you know, most run defenses. He's, I think he's USC's uh, biggest threat right now. So the Utes have had a problem fumbling the ball. How will the USC defense be at stripping the ball? What do you think? Yeah, it's, uh, it's been sort of up or down for the USC defense. We've seen you know games where they're getting in the backfield and getting three sacks, or last week they got five sacks plus a couple of quarterback tackles that ended at the line of scrimmage. They're essentially sacks. And they have other ones where it's just barren, like they've got nothing. Uh, the other three games, like no sacks. And I think that's going to be the key to forcing the ball out if you can get you know, some pressure in the backfield. And that's it's been really hit or miss uh, for USC. I think getting you know Nick Figueroa back the last couple of weeks, they saw Jacob Lichtenstein have a, a breakout game with a couple of sacks against uh, you know against Colorado last week. Uh, and we've seen Drake Jackson really sort of been the, the catalyst for everything. Uh, he had a big game uh, against uh, Colorado as well. I think when he's rolling, and sometimes they were dropping him the coverage and he's just really not been involved as much, but when he's hand on the ground, getting after the quarterback, we've just seen this defense work a lot more. So I think, you're, I think you'll see some opportunities to strip the football if they use him uh, more of the Ed Rusher guy just kind of coming in and trying to disrupt everything in the backfield. Otherwise, then I think, you know, some of that stuff, the misdirection stuff, USC might be kind of on their heels a little bit, and that you probably won't see any kind of, uh, you know, strip you know, strip sacks or you know, stripping the, the running back or anything like that. So, to me, I would watch the front, see if they can get some pressure up there, and if they can, there's some opportunities for turnovers. So, we know Dart has returned to practice on a limited basis. Any idea when he would be cleared and ready to go? Yeah, all we get from uh, Dante Williams is week to week. So it's similar, but what you guys get from <laughs> Whittingham, maybe that's even more uh, than what you guys get on injuries. But just to see him out yesterday in uh, pads you know, for the first time, and we've seen him walking around even you know days after the surgery. He looked like he was walking around you know, fine with a little knee brace on. Um, so I, I wouldn't anticipate anything happening this week, but they go into a bye week. So my guess would be, uh, he would be available for, for Notre Dame. But at this point, just to see him sort of getting back there, it, it gives you the indication that we thought it might be like a three- or four-week injury. But there's talk that it could have been a you know, six- to eight-week injury. It seems like it's going to be more on the, the former side where you know, his, potential, his potential to come back uh, would be against Notre Dame in a couple of weeks. It is possible to go through the schedule and say, oh, look, USC is going to finish 6-6. Uh, six and six. It's also possible to go through the schedule and say they're going to finish 9-3. and three. What are the expectations for them right now? What do you think is realistic? Yeah, that's. I mean, I think that's exactly right. You could look at it like they could lose any of these games, you know, and uh, but they could, they could win them all. And uh, it's crazy to look at that, um, just the way this team has, has performed up and down. Just talent-wise, it's there, but uh, we've seen them play well on the road. We've seen them lay complete eggs uh, at home. So that's why I think this Utah game is going to sort of tell us a lot. I mean, if it's another home loss, especially like embarrassing fashion, I mean, I think they really have to kind of look inside and say, hey, what's going on here? This is, you know, losing to a, a Stanford or an Oregon State or a Utah or two of those teams, but you lose all three at home, there, there's something that's not quite right. And you, you can't really blame Dante Williams. You, you get it. He took over this team on a Monday just found out walked into a meeting and had to address his players like hey I'm the head coach now so I can't even imagine what that would be like but I think he's doing his best to put his stamp on this team and keep the expectations high that they've had before I think some of the fans of you know the expectations are sort of meh they're like they're just waiting to see who the next head coach is going to be and maybe you know losing that game to Oregon State 
uh, took a little pressure off of Dante Williams because there was talk about him potentially, you know, taking over and, and being the permanent head coach. But now I think they can just sort of focus on, all right, we just got to win games and, you know, figure out what happens at this point. So I, I think they might play a little bit looser this season. Uh, but you're right. Is it going to be six and six? Is it going to be nine and three? Somewhere in between. I'm guessing, you know, kind of an eight and four type of uh, finish for the team, which I think would be pretty good for Dante Williams if he goes out and, uh, you know, just loses a couple games for his, you know, his interim head coach tenure. Plus, he's dealing with the death of his father, too. Yeah, I mean, that's another just kind of piled on. And, you know, when these coaches get into uh, game mode and, and season mode, it just sort of, like, consumes you. And then when your duties completely change and now you're running the entire program, and you have to deal with something like the death of your father. Yeah, I, it's, it's hard to even imagine. So, uh, I mean, he's, I think he's handled this extremely well for, for the kind of circumstances he was put in. It's not like he was a coordinator or anything. He was a cornerback's coach. He wasn't even like the full secondary coach. But the, the fact that he's been such a good recruiter, had great relationships with most of the players that are on the roster because he recruited them, uh, I think that's helped uh, quite a bit. But, yeah, just it's amazing what he's been having to, to deal with so far this uh, short season. Well, Ryan, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. And we'll just all turn on the TV and watch for three, three and a half hours and try to figure this out because it's a Pac-12 and you really don't know anything for sure. Really, we don't know. It's sort of just, yeah, this is the ultimate reality show. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. I I watch this team every day and I have no clue. (laughs) So it's a weird feeling, but here we are. So it's a Pac-12. It should make it fun, though. Ryan Abraham, uscfootball.com. He publishes that website. You can also hear him on the Podcast of Champions. Thanks, Ryan. Coming up, Hannah Storm, Amazon Prime, Thursday Night Football announcer. Uh, That interview is about 20 minutes away, right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The Utes look to pick up their first ever win in the Coliseum as they hit the road to square off against the Trojans of USC. Catch the Ute pregame show Saturday at 5 o'clock with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference. Nobody brings you better coverage of Ute football. You ready? Yeah! The 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Join the big show Friday at the warehouse from 2 to 7 p.m. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. I'd say boom, but I'm too cold. (laughs) It'd be like an iceberg. Boom? (laughs) Be like an iceberg breaking off and crashing into the ocean. It is a brisk 40 degrees in here right now. Yeah, I've got gloves on. I know you do. You got your hoodie up. All right, we have been talking a lot of football. We have the question of the day. It's all about the Utah Jazz because the annual survey of NBA general managers has the Jazz finishing second behind the Lakers in the West. What do you think about that? The, the Nets are the favorite to win the title with the Lakers and the Bucks, the only other teams getting votes. The Jazz, the Suns, 27 other NBA teams shut out on the championship votes. That takes second. That's a good enough position to win the title. You can win it out of the two spot. That's been done. Absolutely. But when you rank teams one, two, three, four, five, in my mind, maybe in other people's too, but certainly in mine, you know, there's a lot of separation between one and four or five. But 
The truth is, in the West, there isn't usually that much separation between one and five. This feels more like uh, going back to your youth. Did you go to Belmont? What racetrack did you go to? I don't know New York. Aqueduct? What are the New York racetracks? I don't know. Where <laughs> OTB, brother. Oh, it's all OTB? Okay. You just went down the street? Monmouth. Oh, Monmouth. Okay. Yeah. It's, uh, it's six horses at the top of the stretch. Anything could happen. I mean, you could say yeah. you're two, but three and four aren't that far behind. I, people who are saying anything can happen, they're trying to build in a, a soft landing for the Jazz if it doesn't work. No, it'll be disappointment if it doesn't work. Right. But the point is, it's not one team to catch. Like, you can say, focus everything hey, on the Lakers, I, but the, the Clippers get you. I'm not worried about the catching Suns. anybody. I'm worrying about you playing to the capable your capability and being healthy. That's the Jazz. If the Jazz do that... I'm not worried about that. I said last year, Donovan Mitchell should have been all league first team. You said, who are you going to take off? No. Who else are you going to put on? <laughs> That's my mindset. That's what I'm thinking. I'm not worried about sixth place or any of not worried about anybody behind me. I believe what you said earlier this morning, that Donovan can still get better. 39 points on one leg, if that can be underappreciated, it was. Oh, it was uh, it was like a half an inch of a leg. <laughs> Fifty, if he's more explosive and isn't afraid I to land it was on wheelchair the leg. basketball. <laughs> a little bit. Come on, this guy's a superstar of the highest level. He'll show it again. I'm, I'm not worried about anybody else. Ready to see them outscore people because I think the Rudy see them Gay, win games. The the Rudy Gay edition, and he's not going to play tonight, and he's not going to play early in the year apparently. Coming back from off-season surgery, I don't think it solves the defensive issues. If guys can't stay in front of their their man, then that's going to be a problem. Irregardless, no, this of who else a, is out there on the floor? This isn't a league of players but, standing in, in front of staying in front of their men. But another offensive weapon and a chance to spread the floor. I think that's a bigger deal than well. Now they'll match up because they got a guy who can you know a small guy who can play the five. I think it's going to help more at the offensive end than the defensive end. I don't know that it's that big an impact on defense. We're talking about the wrong thing here. I don't know that he has that much of an impact either way. Whose playing time is he taking? Favors. And maybe a few more minutes beyond that. I think Whiteside is taking Favors' minutes. We'll see how that plays out. There's a chance you're right. But if you want to match up and go small, Hassan's not the guy. Have them match up with me. I hope Hassan Whiteside brings that to the floor. All Jazz fans should hope he brings that to the floor. It's all about the Jazz. It's not about other teams. They're, this team is good enough to win it all. Now go get the job done. That's the bottom line. Hannah Storm, Amazon Prime Thursday Night Football announcer and longtime sports media host will join us coming up next. Right now, Andrew Reinhardt is here from Wasatch Medical Clinic with a breakthrough treatment that does not involve pills, injection, or surgery. Andrew, for people who want to eliminate those three things, and I think that's a lot of people, you got something pretty promising. Yes, we certainly do. And getting more promising, the technology we use at Wasatch Medical called Wave Therapy now has 50 studies. Um, I would say irrefutable at this point, but you can go read them. The Cleveland Clinic, Cambridge, and so many others say gentle pressure waves over about 10 minutes open up and regrow blood vessels. Who doesn't want more blood flow in the bedroom, more frequency? That's what we're seeing. Men don't have to turn to pills or chemicals. 
and the intimacy and spontaneity is restored. So with all of that news, why are guys so hesitant to get their ED taken care of? I think there's a lot of guys that are embarrassed. And so they're maybe in denial. They would rather suffer. Uh, we hear from the spouses quite often. <laughs> they call us. They say, my man won't seek treatment. What do I do? How do I talk to him about this? Uh, I would say this. Two to three weeks from now, you're done with our treatments. That is a pretty short window compared to what you might go through if you don't seek treatment. You could be done with the ED and done with the pills. As always, you've got a deal. Our listeners love deals. Yes, a lot of value today. If you're ready to regain your love life, give us a call this morning. You'll meet with our MD here at the clinic for free. He'll do a blood flow ultrasound free. And the gift that I rarely, if ever, see fail, it produces immediate results in the bedroom. Uh, You can leave your wallet at home, by the way, totally free. Plus the gift that produce, uh, plus, I'm sorry, the testosterone and blood work is included for free today as well. Guys, you can go Wasatch Medical right now. Claim the offer at 801-901-8000. Call Andrew at 801-901-8000. Mention your Andrew on the zone and get that special deal at 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by Hannah Storm. You know her over the years, a lot of big games, a lot of studio shows, and now one of the many things she's working on, Thursday Night Football, Andrea Kramer, Hannah Storm, the first female combo, first female duo to call NFL games. Hannah, welcome to the show. Guys, it's great to be with you. How y'all doing? We're doing well, and I'm curious about many things. We've only got a few minutes with you, so we won't get through the entire list here. But I'm curious if you take a moment and step out of what you've got to do today and tomorrow and look back at your whole career. Did you visualize something like this? Are you At some point, did it become normal? Are you still stunned? How, how does a career look? Because obviously, you've accomplished several cool things. I mean, listen, when I... When I first got into the business and there weren't, you know, people, I I couldn't get hired being a woman and, and, you know, trying to get a job in sports. So my first job, I was actually a heavy metal DJ down in Corpus Christi, Texas. And, you know, even then it's, I, I, I visualized, um, I really wanted to, uh, host the Olympics because those, the only women that were, that were on TV doing sports were usually, you know, morning show anchors who got to do the Olympics. So, so that was it. So I, I visualized doing an Olympics and I visualized actually anchoring a morning show. So I did both of those things. Um, one thing I never, ever thought that I would get a chance to do is call play by play of the NFL. I, I got to tell you. Um, and I it definitely would not have happened if not for Amazon, just thinking completely out of the box. Um, and putting us on this this streaming platform. So this, I definitely never envisioned. I can tell you that very safely. Well, you've certainly done a lot of uh, tremendous things over the years. I, I think the only knock that I have against you, I'm an Arizona State grad, and you have a close association with an Arizona grad. So other than that, <laughs> man, you really okay, got it so going on. I thought. 
I thought, and I'm not going to say anything bad about the scum devils. No, no, oh, nothing. Ooh, um, nice. Yeah, no, I, I thought I thought you were going to give me grief, first of all. Usually when somebody gives that kind of caveat, it's because I went to Notre Dame and they don't like Notre Dame. So that's first of all. So I appreciate you not, you know, uh, killing me um, for being a Notre Dame grad. But Dan Hicks, my husband, um, golf host and among other things on NBC. Yes, he is an Arizona grad. Uh, but my dear, dear friend, Herm Edwards, is at ASU. So um, so there's a, there's a part of me that appreciates. Uh, when you have an opportunity to speak to Dan, just the only thing I would say is 70 to 7. Arizona football. I mean, it is. I don't know, but let's keep it going. Embarrassing. It's embarrassing. I know. I know you love it. I know you do. I know you're having fun. Um, and I would say some things are cyclical, but I don't know how they're going to pull themselves out of this. It's it's really crazy. Yes, he's he's bummed for sure. But bear down. A couple of uh, NFL storylines I'm looking at, and I'm curious what you think and maybe what you hear in casual conversation when you're calling games, and I don't know how much interaction you get in the COVID era as we hopefully emerge from it at least a little bit. Uh, but I'm curious what people think about the way the Rams have started. Not any one game, not any their ups and their downs and all that. Right. But when you go big picture, is this mm. a team – is Stafford really the missing piece of the puzzle and the Rams are ready to go big? Yes. Yes. A hundred and ten percent. We do talk to uh, the major players and offensive and defensive coordinators um, for, for Thursday night football. So I do get actually quite a bit of insight. Um, It is Sean McVay. Think of him as like a chef, right? And he wanted to make some beautiful, complicated dish, but he didn't have his main ingredients, right? Now he has his main ingredients. So Stafford is so smart. So intellectually, he and McVeigh are, kind, are in sync, right? They're on the same page. He is the missing piece that is allowing McVeigh to really unleash everything that he wants to do um, and them being healthy. That's huge. Um, they had major injuries last season. Certainly not as as many as some teams, like the 49ers were decimated, as you know. But Stafford and them being healthy, uh, that's the key. I don't think that we, the three of us, can sit here today and think of a better team in the NFL. I really don't. Not, not right now. Right now, I would say they're the class of the NFL. So I got a little story to be very brief. Years ago, I was working in a newspaper. I'm an old newspaper guy and uh, had a job in the Los Angeles area. And we were working a desk shift one night. It was late at night. And the 11 o'clock sports center comes on. And there were two African-Americans who were doing the late night sports center. And, like, I look up at the television. I'm Caucasian. Well, a guy next to me, friend, uh, friend of mine, Eric Stevens, he covers uh, hockey f- now he was african-american mm-hmm. and he got so excited when he saw on the screen and i don't remember who they were uh two african-americans sitting side by side two men to uh take us through the uh, day's sports and it was obvious it meant something to him as an african-american to see two people you know relatively speaking who looked like him on the television right. and i'm wondering if you can relate to that as you and Andrew Kramer get going and doing your call as far as what it means to women because i will listen to the game and 
I'm not a woman, so I'll take it in for what it's worth. But when you have people that are of a so-called minority group, in this case females, in terms of what it means to other females down the line for years to come. Yeah, I, I, I do think that that's a really important point that you just made. So you've probably heard the expression that you have to see it to be it. Um, I do think that once you can see somebody doing something, uh, like two women calling a football game, which is, is really rare, um, as we've discussed, it's never happened before, but that becomes a viable career option. That becomes something that any young woman can say, well, I want to do that. You know, I, I want to do play-by-play of professional football. I want to do analysis of professional football. I want to analyze something that I, frankly, uh, pro- probably will never be able to play. So I do think the fact that we're just there um, is super powerful, and, and even more so the fact that we've done it for four seasons, that it wasn't a one-off, and that Amazon ha- has had us there for four seasons is, you know, it's unprecedented, and, and I really do hope that it inspires, you know, more young women to do what we're doing. So it seems it seems to me that going forward, Amazon, as you said earlier, you know, just thinking differently, it seems to me like with the way technology is changing, there's a lot of possibilities and we're starting to see it. The most recent example is probably the Manning brothers with the alternate Monday night football telecast. But it seems like there can be a lot of that going forward. And there are a lot of possibilities to show the same game, but with a lot of different voices and styles around it. And certainly ESPN has been experimenting with that with the college football playoffs, but it seems like they've barely scratched the surface. Do you think there's real enthusiasm for that, or do you think it's expensive and money still talks and there may not be as much experimentation as some people would hope and wish? Guys, I am being told I have to wrap. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and that's such a good question, and I want to answer it. Um, can I answer it really quickly? Okay, okay. Um, I think what what we're seeing, uh, to your point, and it's, it's a great one, is even what you're seeing on Monday Night Football. So you're seeing you know, the Monday Night Football telecast. You're seeing Peyton and Eli. Um, there, there's, there's a mega cast for the national championship game. Amazon is doing the same thing. They're offering, Andrea and I, they're offering um, a scout's broadcast. They're offering a, a, a Spanish uh, you know, streaming call. So I think, I think that as things get more specialized and, you know, everybody's trying to figure out how to get a little piece of the audience. And so I think you're going to, you're just going to keep seeing it, you know, more and more. I think you're going to, you're going to see all these different options for people to watch and hope that, you know, some of them connect with, in this case, uh, the prime subscribers. You know, they, they want to listen to us call the game. They're going to come find us. And I, I think it's, you know, the wave of the future. Well, Hannah, I know we got to let you go. I if I could, so I'd ask sorry, you about guys. your foundation and your production company, but we'll have oh, you on another time to talk you. about those passion no. products, projects. Listen, listen, you guys, I really appreciate it. It's really fun talking to you guys. Thanks for all the thoughtful questions. Hannah Storm being hustled off to the next phone call. Ten-minute windows. Crank it out. Yeah, I don't want to talk to her about production. I just want to talk to her about that she is a hardcore fan of Kenny Chesney 
Kenny has a satellite radio station, No Shoes Radio, and he has guest DJs on, and she was one of them. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I've listened to her. And then they replay it. Like the Manning Brothers, Andy Reid. Mm-hmm. They've had Hannah Storm. Uh, what's the gal? Andrews? Aaron Andrews? They've had her. Yeah. That's all I care about. Production company and all that. Yeah, lighten up. Francis. <laughs> Francis. <laughs> FJ and PK. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. You get so technical, so bogged down and stuff. Yeah. Just We're working to get her back on because she wants to talk about that stuff. For I bet you, I bet you if I asked her about guest DJ for Kenny, she'd be way more excited to talk about that. Well, you should have blurted it out then. We didn't have time. You had a microphone in front of you. You could have made time. Since when are you shy? Because she said she had to go. Didn't stop that's, me. I no, kept no, talking. That's so, yeah, I know. That Steve Young at the interview still would have gone on. <laughs> I went and got to breakfast, man. That was when I was on remote. I, I left, came back 20 minutes later. You're still asking him questions. You were so, yeah, I didn't see and you, another I thing, Steve. I haven't seen you that fired up since Monday morning. <laughs> and you were on one Monday morning. You were so juiced up. Jeez. Juiced up. <laughs> well, I think that we respect the interviewer's time. And if they say they've got 10 minutes, they've yeah, got 10, 10 minutes. minutes. So I, Bronco Mendenhall once told me that. He said, one of the reasons why I like talking to you it's because if you say you need five minutes, five minutes is it. He said, I can't tell you how many times people say blah, 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 and then I give them the time, and it's double the time. They say 15, we're 30. Don't tell me you need 15 and then 30. I hear you, Bronco. Yeah, I remember him specifically telling me that, and he was irritated by that because he was a regimented and still is, I would assume. I haven't talked to him in a good long while, but for a while we were talking to him all the time. So I didn't want to burden her but yeah she's a good good personality i didn't know whether i should bring up how tight she was going to be should i bring up the fact that her husband is a tucson guy dan hicks is a graduate of i think sabino in in tucson and i knew he went to the u of a but she jumped on that right away but notre dame i'm never going to rip notre dame to her (laughs) notre dame's in my blood jersey's jersey's home turf for notre dame Oh, yeah. Irish fans all over Jersey. Oh, for sure. Yeah, there's no question about that. That, That's absolutely true. Um, When uh, when I was growing up, we had a picture of Jesus and Era Parsesian. And Frank. No, uh, it was a wall of Frank. (laughs) I'm still talking about just pictures. Shrine Frank? Frank's another. Frank, Frank, Frank. Frank's an entirely different category. Uh, But... Yeah, Notre Dame was big, so I knew she went to Notre Dame, and I wanted to tease her. See, and she played along, big time. Call them the scum devils. I like it. She's caught up. I in had it. not heard that. Oh, you hadn't? No. Yeah. And I knew. I, I went to college with a big Arizona Wildcat fan, a guy yeah. who grew up in Tucson and would follow his Wildcats anywhere. Certainly not to the Rose Bowl on January 1st. Nope. <laughs> he was quite bitter about that. And that was a long time ago. I can't imagine the level of bitterness he has now. Because he'd be wandering in the desert. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> That's the one thing. I will always, always root against them to win the conference. You finish second every year. That's fine. 
<laughs> but you got to be able to hold that one yeah, thing over yeah, their head. Yeah, exactly. Precisely. Yes. Well, you're good for another year because you're not doing it this year. You can worry about next year, next year. You got it for another year. Yes. You're like the Dolphins, one year at a time, baby. They need the Cardinals to lose, and they can celebrate another year as the only perfect team in NFL history. You think it happened at some point, but uh, not going to be happening in the near future. And at the same time, geez, there's been some teams that have never gone in my lifetime in the conference. Isn't it Cal has been in the fifties? Fifty nine, I think, was their last their last Rose Bowl. And they should have gone as a second place team and Texas nudged them out. Politics got in the way. That was a very good team. I think they had yeah, one. Yeah, but that's a second place team. That yeah. doesn't even count. A one loss team in triple overtime. That's yeah, now you can you can backdoor it to an extent. Yep. Probably not this year though. <laughs> this year I think the conference champ will end up in the Rose Bowl. If Oregon wins out, but I think Oregon's played too many close games already. They're going to play more close games, and somebody's going to get them at why, some point. Why not Oregon State or ASU or you? Or Oregon State's already got two Oregon losses. State's already got a loss, and so they what? Because they don't have a big-time win when they start separating out the one-loss teams. Suppose they beat a one-loss uh, one Oregon team. That's not a big-time win? That's ridiculous. Okay. How's that not a big-time win? Well, it'll be a two-loss Oregon team at that point, but I didn't want to help you with the math. There. Well, yeah, but they would have beaten a one-loss yeah, Oregon I team. I get your point. That ASU is ranked. Do they play ASU? If yes. not, they get them in the Commerce title game. No, they yeah. always get... Uh, every year, the Devils get scheduled to Oregon State deep in November at 8.30 at night. <laughs> it's been like 10 years in a row. <laughs> it can't literally be 10 years in a row. They had to have had a bias. But everything has got – it's like three years in a row. With, uh, with Last year, they created a bunch of right. nonsense when they came up with this scheduling because Larry Scott played follow the leader with Kevin Warren of the Big Ten. And so, uh, yeah, I think they do and – and Oregon State looks legit. I mean, I know they they had the they had the one loss. So what? They should be if they if they run the table, I'd pitch a fit if they didn't get in. Whoever it might be, prepare. Same thing with Oregon. Prepare for the fit. You lose an overtime. Oregon's, I know Oregon's the one because they've got the win at Ohio State. They could have a win and get in as a one loss team. I have a hard time seeing other other Pac-12 one-loss teams are going to get left out. I disagree. Because no one in the conference has gone undefeated. And now the Devils, I don't think it'll happen, by the way, but the Devils in Oregon State, their their losses were out of conference, which both on the road, Mm -hmm. which means that you'd have to go 10-0. No one has ever gone 9-0 let alone 10 and 0. So you're probably getting worked up over something that's not going to happen. But if it did happen, it'd be impressive and that impressiveness should be accounted for. And I agree with oh, you. I just believe it's it not, I'm going you but know I believe what? it I believe I believe it won't be. Oh, I disagree. We'll probably never find out. I agree on that. <laughs> and actually I would like to see it. To see what would happen, because I think that would be a, a big time disrespect to the conference. Yes, I if agree. Somebody <laughs> went ten and zip. Yep. Now I guess Oregon wouldn't be that team because they theirs was a conference loss. I know, but if you are twelve and one and a conference champion with an overtime conference road loss to a team with a winning record, and I believe Stanford will end up being a team with a winning record. Yeah, regardless, but I get your point. Yeah. And you're right. If it were a four and eight team, you should probably still be in. But certainly, if it's a winning record, you should be in. But 
And, and I think Oregon probably would get in. I just don't have faith in anybody else getting in. Although I'm probably a little too optimistic on Oregon. It doesn't matter. They're just media voters. But you see the rampant disrespect for the conference. As soon as Oregon loses, they fall behind Ohio State. We don't have to guess who is better. They actually Yeah, but play. none of those people have a say they in don't. it. They don't. So right. I don't but care what to, they think. They tend to think a lot alike. Yeah, we'll, but you're right. We'll it could see. Be different. I don't think Oregon's going to go through unscathed because no. I haven't believed in their quarterback. I've said it. I thought they were overrated. I thought they were getting too much esteem for a mediocre quarterback. To me, this is what they've had during the Helfridge years. When you look at Oregon, when they've been on top, it's when they've had a big time quarterback. Right. They've played five games. Two of them were basically scheduled wins Stony Brook, money game, and Arizona, probably the worst team in the conference maybe 11. So they won those games big. The other three games were all close. And they won two out of three of them. And I expect that's how it's going to go for them throughout the year. And so somebody's going to get them again. And maybe it'll be Utah. Maybe it'll be Oregon State. Maybe it'll be Washington or UCLA. There's plenty of teams who could pull it off. Yeah, I think the the Oregon misses the Devils and the uh, Trojans this year. You are correct. Because you missed two teams in the crossovers. You are correct. Those are the two that they miss, for whatever that means. Yeah, I don't know, because I'm not sure. Because I think what we're seeing, what we've seen, and maybe we don't continue to see it, because I will allow some teams to gel, but they have to prove it. But what we're seeing is there's probably four, five, maybe six teams that are pretty good. They just have problems being pretty good every week. At their best... They're pretty good. Yep. But they've all got an Achilles heel, and it can all, and it'll sink them at some point. Or already has. Right. All right, DJ and PK. Coming up, everything you missed in this show, we'll get you up to speed next. Stay with us. The John Watson Chevrolet High School Player of the Week Award is presented weekly to the top prep football players in northern Utah. This week's winner, Nicholas Sanders from Layton High School. Sanders caught five passes from quarterback Garrett Guilford for 234 yards and two scores in the Lancers 35 shutout, 35 nothing shutout win over Clearfield. His long receptions on the night were two 80-yard touchdown passes. He had a 99-yard kick return for a score. See why new and used car buyers give John Watson Chevrolet more five-star reviews than any other Chevy dealer in Utah. John Watson Chevrolet, your five-star Chevy dealer. Time to get you up to date on everything we have been talking about during this show. Baseball playoffs start. Red Sox knock out the Yankees 6-2. to two. Boston fans are chanting Garrett Cole's name. He gives up two homers. He leaves the game early. The Red Sox up three zip, never trail, and win 6-2. That PK was almost wire to wire. There's just one moment when maybe the Yankees had some hope and had a chance, and they ran themselves out of an inning. Yeah, man. Stanton hit a shot. He had a great game. He had two smacked off the board and then the home run. And Judge had already been on first base, and they waved him home. Phil Nevin, former number one pick. Out of Cal State Florida, and, and he sends him home, and he's out for the second out. You never make the first or second out at the plate. You can live with making the third out at the plate because you're not going to score that runner on an out. Whereas, obviously, if there's a zero or one out, you can score the runner from third on an out. Makes sense, right? Cardinal rule, and he's out at the plate. Jeez. 
I heard one it took defensive all the air out of them. I heard it did. Uh, after that, there's a bunch of one, two, three innings. Mm-hmm. They didn't. They weren't even threatening after that. Uh, I heard the one defense was no, that. No, no. <laughs> no, there's no defense. There is no defense. <laughs> Who's the short guy who laughs incessantly on ESPN? The baseball guy. He's hilarious. He's always cracking Kirchin? himself up. Um, I think it was Kirchin, Yeah. Now I'm second guessing myself. But anyways, he was saying that Nevin saw the relay was short and it was bouncing. Doesn't matter. Got a good hop and a perfect throw home it after doesn't that. Doesn't matter. And who threw it? Who was a Bogarts? He's only an All Star. He's really <laughs> good. He's really good. Yes. The, the relay to the plate was great, but the throw from the outfield PK to the relay—that one, that one. Hopped. But it wasn't off target. Turned out you'd rather good. have that than over his head. You can feel something on a bounce. If it's over yeah. your head, you can't feel it. Why? Because it's over your head. Although the fundamentals, man, the Red Sox hit two guys in a relay in case the throw was over the head. The second guy was going to catch it. Well, yeah, there's no place for him yeah. to be. So it's called double that. cut in the business. I was thinking about that. That play, mm-hmm. that play was made. It was 10 o'clock at night, but it's made at 3 o'clock in the afternoon because it comes through repetition. Over and over, where the ball is. That's the uniqueness of baseball. Each stadium, you have to figure out where it's going to go when it hits this spot, when it hits that spot. Football and basketball are all the same, right? Baseball isn't. That play is done through repetition. It's a cool play. If you're a baseball guy like me, and you don't care who wins, you're excited on a play like that because that is a fundamental, basic play. Adam Wainwright, Max Scherzer, Cardinals, Dodgers tonight. Somebody's going home. Is it the team that won 106 games? That would be stunning. Or the team that won 17 in a row in September? That would be stunning. <laughs> well, one of them's got to happen. I know. And all I can think I is know. the Braves and Brewers have to look at the way this played out and think, awesome. This is We did not want the 107-win team. We didn't want the 106-win team. And we didn't want the team that won 17 in a row in September. You guys go, go beat each other up. We'll be over here playing, and we'll see you later if we get there. Super intrigued on this game. I'm more of a National League guy than I am American. Uh, so, And then you got the Dodgers, who I have been following religiously since I've been 14 years of age. Uh, when I moved to Phoenix, and the, all we had was the radio on the Dodgers. And I, I'm a fa- I'm a hardcore fan of the Dodgers, but I'm not a fan in terms of winning and losing, in terms of following. Uh, so see what they got here. A lot of pressure on these guys. I think there's more pressure because they had the better regular season than than the Cardinals. But yep. obviously the Cardinals are going to feel just as much to be able to continue. Uh, what do you think about making this a two out of three? I mean, this year it seems like it should. Boston and the Yankees, two out of three. A 106-win team. You know, you might get another year where it's an 84-win team. So I would say don't change it, but this is the year to argue to change it. I'd, I'd go for three, five, seven, seven if it were me, but that's... I love, I love the one and done. It doesn't matter what we love. More games equals more money. So they're going to try to find a way to get a two out of three. But you're constantly battling the weather in so many cities. More games, you're going to push it back deeper in the year. And there's a little potluck element to it. You might get teams in domes or teams in warm weather cities. But you're, you're, just, you're battling the odds, and your odds are more and more, you know, we're going to be watching games in a downpour, and they'll be pretending uh, it's not raining. And I hate that. <laughs> I uh, hate that. Uh, I think the, the thing that isn't addressed, and you brought this up like six weeks ago, 
the wild card, when you're the Yankees and the Mets and you're tied, or if it had been somebody else, and there's, there were four teams separated by two games, I'm fine with the wild card. But when someone's 10 or 15 or 17 games in front of the next team, do we really want a wild card? Is that a good idea? Does it feel like the Dodgers get ripped off? Yeah, because off? there's usually, on the other end of it, that's the one side of it, but on the other end, there's four teams battling for that last wild card spot. So you just looked at it from that perspective, yes. but I can look at it from the other perspective. I am perspective. looking at it from the Dodgers' perspective here. Like, we separate ourselves from these guys. Well, you we take a look at the American League, it goes right down to the yeah, end absolutely. of the season. And, and I think that happens more often than what we're seeing with the Dodgers and Cardinals. And it also puts more oomph into the regular season. The Giants and Dodgers were battling to avoid that right down to the end. So, sorry, and, but that take sucked. And pre-wild card. I love you, but that take sucked. It was actually your take. No. Yes. Oh, no. I never said it's, it's, it should be done away with. You just said it sucked for the Dodgers. Yes. Yeah, it does suck for the Dodgers. And that but final weekend, the, division. the final weekend drama, 100%. Uh, once upon a time, the Padres and Dodgers battled for a division title when there was only one wild card, and the Dodgers were totally getting ready for the postseason. Oh, yeah, they they got, guys out in the fourth they inning. They got swept, and they didn't care. It didn't matter. That were, sucked. That, that totally, was a spring training game. Yes, it was. 100%. And it was the last day of the season. Yeah. It was three days in a row. That Friday, Yogi Berra rolled Sunday. over in his grave, and he wasn't even dead yet. Nor was he a Dodger or a Padre. But still, he's a baseball purist. There's that. I've been to his house in St. Louis. The Jazz are playing the Mavericks tonight. The game's on TV, AT&T Sportsnet, and NBA TV. So for those of you on DISH who are upset you can't see games, you don't have AT&T Sportsnet, NBA TV, that's a workaround for tonight. Unless so you mean to tell out. me there's going to be regular season Jazz games that Jazz fans in our state can't watch? Uh, if AT&T Sportsnet and DISH don't come to a deal, yes. Come on. We had Rocky Anderson to make some law or something. Yeah, I don't think he can do Mia that. Ham, somebody. This what? is a, yeah, our, Mia, our elected leaders. Mia Ham. Yeah. Is she running for something? That, that is like seven stages. The fact that I can follow what you're getting at really bothers me. Is I'm she dis- a congress lady? I'm disappointed in myself. She used to be. It's Mia Love, not Mia Hamm. And Mia Love lost Well, she loves the jazz, ago. so get him on television. I'm, exactly. She's a politician in Utah. I'm sure she does love the jazz. Right. It, politicians, anchor people. <laughs> it's a race. Go locals. Quiet <laughs> down. Go locals. <laughs> <laughs> and they love all people. <laughs> uh, Mary Nichols hated to see the Sonics move, but at least she could then say go jazz in good conscience. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I would have been bitter if she was a Sonics fan. And she's a sports she, fan, she so is, I assume she, she was. Yeah, she is bitter. That's, that, that's, a, that's forget about not having a game on television. That's, that's the travesty. ultimate kick yeah. in the you-know-what. Yep. The Sonics. I know. Legendary franchise. A hundred percent. That's awful. Great tradition, lots of passion. Sure. Yeah, we remember. Raw deal. Yeah. Raw, raw deal. And I, it's a raw deal. I don't know what the deal is with this television stuff, but I just feel for the people who want to watch the games, particularly the old folks, and they don't get an opportunity. That is just wrong. Agreed. And, and for folks who don't, can't just, I'm fortunate enough of that, we've got to buy something else. Well, people can't be as fortunate as I am, and I feel for them. They want to watch you. That's entertainment, and they're passionate, and it brings them joy, and they can't do it. That's ridiculous. And yet, here we are. 
6.30, the tip tonight, pregame 5.30 with Jake Scott and Tim Lacombe right here on the Zone Sports Network. I'll be checking it out for sure. David Locke traveling on the road again. He'll be in the arena tonight with the call. And uh, our Craig and, is it Thurl? Yeah, TV. TV's traveling too. TV and radio both traveling. The Brooklyn Nets have been picked to win the NBA in a uh, an anonymous poll of 30 NBA general managers. They got 72% of the votes. And there are questions around Kyrie Irving. He's not vaccinated, which means according to the rules in New York and the law in New York, he's not going to be able to practice with the team or play the home games in Brooklyn. Can't they just go back to Jersey then? Um, That's like 10 miles away. There's probably a lease agreement that prevents that from happening. (laughs) (laughs) I see your point, but no. I mean, you just and road games turn with right the Knicks and left. Boom, ro- you're there. Road games with the Knicks and the Warriors. So, but maybe he'll get vaccinated. Who knows? We'll see how that plays out. But either way, the GMs are saying the Nets are the team to beat. Seventy-two percent of the vote. The Lakers were second. The Bucks got ten percent of the vote. I see what they're doing because he's got the that thing going on. It's always something with him, and now it's this thing. That they'll they'll tank it to make sure they get the eighth seed, so they're always on the road. Uh huh. Genius. <laughs> they're still at home. They're not always on the road. Well, they're yeah. always open on the road. They will always. Open so you on get the road. that two zero lead, <laughs> <laughs> and then you ought to be able Harden and and uh, Durant ought to be able to get you enough to win. Split to. at split at home. Let's just reverse. Get the sweep on the road. Split at home. Come back. Wrap it up in game five on the road. You watch. (laughs) That would be awesome. (laughs) That's not happening. So the question of the morning, are the Jazz going to finish second in the West? Because that's where the GMs picked them. They picked the Lakers one and the Jazz two. Or what about the Suns? What about the Warriors getting healthy? Not having the same roster. Their roster was so deep, it's not nearly as deep. On paper now, it does not look nearly as deep as what they had when they were really rolling. No, that was a great roster, and they brought guys off the bench who could who could play. They've got an interesting mix, the Warriors, because obviously they got the three vets who have won a title, mm-hmm. irregardless of Kevin Durant, and then they've got some intriguing young guys. I like their draft this year, and they also got Wiseman. So what are they going to do? It's it's a real, it's an interesting situation. I don't know that I've ever seen a, a roster like this with some young bucks who look like. They've got a chance to be good, and but yet they've got guys who've got title-winning experience. And how are they going to blend that? You got the you got now, and it looks like you got a promising future. To what degree remains to be seen, because that's the nature of young guys, particularly two guys who haven't played. And so, how are they going to uh, mesh that all together? Steve Kerr's got his work cut out for him as far as blending that stuff, because Steph Curry isn't interested in five years from now. No, he's not. And he was playing at a very high level at the end of last year. And Clay Thompson, how quickly will he be back? How many games will he play? How many minutes will he play? At what level will he play? Because he can obviously play at a very high level I think he'll be good to go when he's good to go. When will that be? Well, I think he'll be... Yeah, I mean, good to go. I mean, full strength. Not, you know, breaking yourself in. So I'm going to allow for some... A lag time to get himself back, but when he gets back, I think he'll be good to go, and that'll be a, a good team. I'm, that's what I'm expecting. Many, many questions. We had Ryan Abraham on uscfootball.com. He has many questions about USC football. 
Many questions. Oh, they're a questionable football team. Slovis, struggling. The, the arrow had been pointed up. He looked like the next big thing. There have been interceptions, some Well, he's been off to a slow this start. So, <laughs> moving on. Oh, so, moving on. Let's stop the show right now. Moving on. So, <laughs> how much was he a product of having multiple great receivers? And now he has one great receiver, but everybody else right now is a guy. Yeah, Maybe but everybody's a guy compared to that guy. Yes. 100%. Drake London is the best of them all. He is really good. Yeah, chuck it up to him. Watching the USC spring game and the announcers kind of, well, it looks like um, it looks like Jackson Dart's really developing a rapport with uh, London. Smart by Jackson. <laughs> He's developing rapport. He's just like, that's the best receiver. He kind of looks open. Get it to him. He'll make a play. Yeah. And well, we did. saw that when he got in against Washington State. He was looking for him almost every time. Yep. And the kid is a, is a big time stud. I don't. I'm not going to count SC out. I'm going to give him one more sucky game, and then I'll count them out as far as well, that's safe. winning the division. But I may not count them out in individual games. That's 100%. That's the way to look at it. I mean, I don't think they're going to absolutely tank and just go on a, a losing streak here and be worthless week after week. But one more loss, PK, yeah, okay, is three. You don't three, have to lose games and be worthless. But one more loss is three. Right. No, I'll count them and out at of that division. point, all you've got is but I'm not gonna a three-way yeah, three tie at six and three with tiebreakers would be how they win the division. I mean, the the path be, would, be would be very difficult. difficult. So one and three is going to be real tough to come from behind on. Is This isn't the NFL here where you're playing double practically the amount of conference it, games. Yeah. Uh, but even with that in mind, particularly if they were to go to Dart, because Dart is just barely getting started, so he would be extremely fired up to show what he can do, and that would be a dangerous... That would Any given game, they are a dangerous team. Will they be dangerous Saturday? I think they will. Your feedback coming up next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Time for your feedback. Everything you think about today's show, you've been hitting us up on uh, Twitter, Mario, <laughs> Mario Antonio Torres. I don't think the Lakers will finish first. That arthritis is going to kick in. <laughs> <laughs> nice, Mario. <laughs> you got PK to expel some air. <laughs> they are old, no doubt about it. I think they're using the age thing as a motivation, though. Interestingly. Lighten up, Francis. Nice pull on the stripes, quote PK. Underappreciated <laughs> comedy classic. That comes from Greg D. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it, it just came to me. Aaron says, I think the Jazz finished second, but not behind the Lakers. That's a joke. I'm not sure who comes in first. Jazz don't go for number one that hard because they've been there and it didn't work out for him and yeah, somebody else is going for it and gets it what does that mean though because you're trying to win every game yep well maybe at the end you're not maybe you're resting guys because you're still trying to win the game though the guys who are playing are trying to win the game yes absolutely but you can be resting so many guys and who knows he'll be carrying a little injury then need some time off well yeah I would be Conley Bogey and Joe and I guess uh, Ruby Gay Everybody else is young, but you don't. You may have an ankle. This exactly. age doesn't really matter. Yeah, who knows? Trying to predict that last two weeks of April is good impossible. luck. I look forward to doing it when we get there. 
86% picked the Lakers to win the West last year. Can we consider the NBA GMs the Farmers Almanac for NBA predictions? Well, I think it's like so many people picked SC to win the West and Oregon to win the North, not the West, but the South and the Oregon to win the North. So you just go to default. And that's where the Utes are in a good spot because I think the Utes got picked second by default. No one got picked because they really believed in in them. It was more eliminating other teams. Well, I think the Devils would have been picked first or second if they hadn't had the bombshell of the cheating. But that introduced doubt. Yeah, but that cheating in recruiting, I hate to say this, but to a good extent I roll my eyes. Cheating in recruiting. Tell me what kind of cheating it is before I get all worked up. Yeah, cheating and, and now, recruiting now is with name, image, commonplace. And, now with name, image, and likeness, a lot of what used to be cheating is legit now. Oh, dude, you're going to get hooked up with such and such, and we're hooking all our athletes up with such and you such. You're not supposed to be able to say we're going to engineer it, though. Yeah, that's the kind right. of cheating that'll happen, and cheating. everyone knows, and the schools There will never it. not be cheating in recruiting. That's a true story. As long as you can stay away from the academic fraud. That would be good. That's that's when you're starting to make a joke of the whole thing. Uh, but recruiting, cheating, you held a practice or you you emailed somebody over the limit. Mm. <laughs> I know, you texted them. <laughs> you didn't initiate, you initiated the text. You weren't just responding. Okay, stop. Doug says, the Jazz may not finish first, but they certainly won't finish behind the Lakers. The Lakers are too old and too slow. It'll take uh, half the season for Westbrook to get a clue and know for that there are only so many shots to go around. Actually, I think with LeBron, he'll get that. He'll get what? There's only so many shots to go around. He's not going to have a problem deferring to LeBron. The problem is more likely what you said earlier. LeBron has doubled. No one else is open. The ball comes back to him with the shot clock winding down. He's got to hit a three, and he's shooting 31 or 32% from three. That's the problem. Yeah. Westbrook, Westbrook in transition, advantage Lakers. Westbrook with a defense breaking down, just driving to the rim, advantage Lakers. Ball coming to Westbrook with one and a half seconds on the clock, and he's on the three-point line, advantage I defense. I wonder which media guy he's going to hate. <laughs> Maybe he can fly out there. Because <laughs> he's always got to have an enemy. Get very Because he plays very, very angry. Kyle Goon. It'll be Kyle Goon. Yeah, I don't, it could be. Bill Orem. Could be. Yeah, all the guys who worked here. I don't know. All right. Hans and Scotty are coming up next. We will see you tomorrow.